to the movie planet. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Samwise Gamgee to my Frodo Baggins, Joel. How are you today? Well, I am doing well today. <laughs> you, you appear tired. <laughs> I, well, I'm not that bad. I appreciate you waiting on me. I was a little bit later than I anticipated being. Mm-hmm. I picked up a summer job, and so I am staying busy while I'm supposed to be relaxing. Just constantly working now. I, I just see it more as like conditioning, because right now I'm technically working longer with more manual labor mm-hmm. than I would during the school year. And so once I go back, I should be more excited and more energized, ready to go. All right. Well, we are missing our resident hobbit, JC. Uh, he'll be gone for the news also this week. Uh, the family man took his family on a vacation. That's uh, nice of him. Yeah, it's really good of him. We weren't uh, invited. In the meantime, we're, we're holding down the fort till he comes back. You know, we're, in a, we're doing a Lord of the Rings movie here without our hobbit. Yeah. So take with it what you can. <laughs> this, is, this is your time to get back and mispronounce all of the names. <laughs> Well, this week, we'll, we're continuing our franchise review of the Tolkien Saga, which encompasses the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now, just a reminder to our listeners, we discussed this ahead of time, and we will be grading these as one complete franchise and not two separate trilogies. This week, we'll be talking about the 2001 fantasy of the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, discussing its role in the saga, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it, grade it, and either induct it or exclude it. This week, we are talking about 2001's The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, directed by Peter Jackson, screenplay by Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyens, and Peter Jackson. Nice job. Adapted, thank you, adapted from the J.R.R. Tolkien novel, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Mm. of the same title. Yes. Starring Elijah Wood as Frodo Baggins, Ian, sir, sorry, Sir Ian McKellen as Gandalf (laughs) the Grey. Was he a sir at this point? He was not a sir. Oh, so just Ian McKellen. I think he became a sir after this movie. Okay, so yeah. not Sir, starring plain Jane Ian McKellen yes. as Gandalf the Grey. Vigo Mortensen as Strider, a.k.a. Aragorn. Sean Austin as Samwise Sam Gamgee. Billy Boyd as Peregrine Pippin Took. Dominic Monaghan as... M- Marriottic? I've never... I was going to call him Mary. <laughs> Mary. Brandy Buck. Uh, John Reese davies as Gimli. Orlando Bloom as Legolas Greenleaf. Sean Bean, or Scene Bean, as Boromir. (laughs) Liv Tyler as Arwen. Kate Blanchett as Galadriel. Christopher Lee as Saruman. Hugo Weaving as Elrond. And Ian Holm as Old Bilbo. Older Bilbo and Demonic Bilbo. (laughs) Guys, for someone, that was really good name. I'm actually very impressed right now. That was pretty good. Yeah. There was a lot of room in there for you to mess up, and you were on your game. Maybe it's the coffee. Maybe the coffee's giving me the old jitters. Is that a coffee porter? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's 6 p.m. Uh, yeah, I, got, I had to find the good balance. Well, a little background information about the making of this film. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. Unfortunately, JC isn't here to regale us with tales from the appendices, so I did my best to give you an idea of how this movie went from inception to production to the big screen, all courtesy of Variety's Pat Saperstein, Screen Crush's Nick Romano, and contributors to different stories referenced in Wikipedia. Here we go. To start with, we're going to take the Wayback Machine of 1954 in England, when J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings was first published. Tolkien had published The Hobbit in 1937, and his publishers desperately wanted another book, more specifically, a sequel. Tolkien wrote drafts for the Silmarillion, but they said no. <laughs> they were like, nah, nah, nah. And when his publishers put the pressure on, he started writing The Lord of the Rings, which would take 12 years to write and another six years to get published. So we're looking at 18 years in between here. 
Now, the books didn't gain popularity in the U.S. until the mid-60s during the Vietnam War. The books became countercultural touchstones thanks to their themes of environmental protection and battles against forces of war and corruption. Yay, hippies! <laughs> Tolkien... Tolkien was flattered by the success and amazed by the profits, but he was born in 1892. Dude didn't care. <laughs> Couldn't get his head around the fact that these fans who had the great trip was to ingest the Lord of the Rings and LSD simultaneously, which I could only imagine was fun to do. Uh, reading. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know what we should do tonight? Let's drop some acid and pull out and that Tolkien. read a book. <laughs> You don't hear that every day. No, no, no. But if you listen to some Led Zeppelin, you'll hear plenty of Tolkien rep references in it. I have noticed that. Yeah. Plus, over-enthusiastic readers were invading his privacy, gawking at his house, and calling him at all hours with obscure questions. <laughs> he was like Lucas before Lucas. Yeah. Well, he does create a universe where you have a lot of questions left over. Yes. Which is, I'm glad that they finally did produce or make the Cimmerillion and... His yeah. son came out and produced a lot more of his work because a lot of people have a lot of questions. And released a whole lot of appendices to answer all the holes. <laughs> yes. I mean, there you go. So that's my one time saying appendices, everybody. Well, I've said it twice, I know, in the introduction. But that's, that's two three, times. Okay, it'll end three, there. Four. Themes from the book were reflected in music by groups such as Led Zeppelin with their song Ramble On and writers including Clive Barker and Stephen King who were strongly influenced by Tolkien. Horror, guys. Makes sense. This is a little bit spookier movie. It is darker. Yes. Now, in 1969, United Artists acquired the right to the Lord of the Rings, whose music division worked with the Beatles. Once the iconic band heard the news, they immediately wanted a part of it and decided Stanley Kubrick, with his past work of 2001 A Space Odyssey, as an example, was the perfect guy to helm a movie adaptation. Oh. If all had gone as planned, John Lennon would have played Gollum. Paul McCartney would have been Frodo. Ringo Starr would have been Sam and George Harrison would have been Gandalf. Kubrick wasn't a fan of this and told Lennon the book was unfilmable, referring to the exhausting task of condensing all that material for the screen. How about the fact that that just would have been a piece of shit? Yeah, it would have been pretty bad. <laughs> that would have ruined this for movies forever. Yeah, because Gandalf would have been Gandalf the White from the very beginning because I don't think Kubrick believes in middle tones of color. That's right, yeah. So everyone would have just been walking around in their white jumpsuits. But oh, how things just stopped all of a sudden. It just ends there for Tolkien. No, nobody hears anything for a while. And in 1975, after one flew over the cuckoo's nest, producer Saul Zantz, who helped find Tolkien Enterprises, acquired rights to the books, and animator Ralph, Ralph Bakshi made a feature-length animated film. Yes. J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. I had that. You did? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I believe it was just the first two books, though, wasn't it? Return it of the King wasn't in there. It was. I don't think so. Yeah. I was too young to honestly remember it, but I, I did have it. Okay. Uh, they then make the animated movie The Hobbit produced by Rankin and Bass as a TV movie. But everything stands still again. It doesn't do anything. Nobody cares, it seems like. We fast forward. That's good. Thank you. So while Jackson, a longtime talk Tolkien fan, was filming his first studio film, The Frighteners, for Universal. Did you ever see The Frighteners? Big piece of shit. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I never saw it. Sorry, kids. No, Michael I did, J. Fox. I've actually never heard of it. Michael J. Fox. Oh. As a ghost hunter. I'm in. It's, it's pretty good, actually. He began considering whether the re many recent advances in visual effects might finally make it possible to adapt the Lord of the Rings trilogy on film for a reasonable amount of money. Jackson was obligated to bring any project he was considering to Disney-owned Miramax first. This is a lot like the Jordan Peele thing. Jordan Peele has the uh, deal with Universal where everything he puts right. out, he has to go to Universal first. Right. So there, there's another example of it right there. Every time I hear Miramax, I think of Jane Silent Bob Strike Mac. <laughs> they just make fruity things like the piano and the crying, the crying game. game. 
<laughs> it was rumored that Tolkien had included a clause when he sold the rights of the books that any films were not to be made by Disney. Jackson said that he has heard that this was because Tolkien disliked Disney's 1937 Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But in the end, Harvey Weinstein run Miramax ended up making the deal anyway. Weinstein. Oh, we're going to get to Weinstein in a second. He's got some very interesting ideas. Jackson thought one way to handle the trilogy would be to make The Hobbit as movie one. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the final two movies. So you have three movies. The first one, Hobbit. The second two, Lord of the Rings. Think you could do that? I don't think so at all. I mean, you'd have to cut down a lot of tree beard talk. There, well, yeah, the ends take up some time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but rights issues meant that Saul Zanz could only license Lord of the Rings to Harvey Weinstein and not The Hobbit. Uh-huh. When production costs started to rise, Harvey Weinstein tried to persuade Jackson to make a single Lord of the Rings film. <laughs> you couldn't do all this in one movie. No chance. Weinstein gave Jackson an ultimatum. We had to either agree to do it or walk away. Yeah, he already had John Madden lined up to direct and Hossein Amini to write the script, so Jackson was kind of out on his ass on that one. But, fun little aside about the development with the Weinsteins. As Peter Jackson would later recall, Bob Weinstein really, really thought one of the four main hobbits should die. Well, we can't have all of them surviving, he said. We've got to kill a hobbit. I don't care which one. You can pick. I'm not telling you who it should be. You pick out who you want to kill, and we've, got, we've really got to kill one of those hobbits. In situations like that, you just nod and smile and say, well, that's something we can consider. Just, to just <laughs> change the story completely? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody is interested in making these films. So Jackson returns to New Zealand to start working on a 35-minute making of the making of sample footage video, which would be shown to studios that expressed interest. It came down to appointments with Polygram, the British independent studio whose working title label made Four Weddings and a Funeral, and New Line. On the same day Jackson was scheduled to fly back to New Zealand, New Line came through. And after Weinstein negotiated an expensive buyout, including an executive producer credit. So they're looking out for their boys. So he really didn't have anything to do with the movie. Nope. Huh. Now, until this point, no filmmaker had ever made three films back to back before or had as large a cast of crew and extras or made every single prop from scratch. Unlike The Hobbit. Dig. Mm. A production team of over 2,400 and 26,000 extras worked on the films for five years. The crew built 64 miniature sets, some so detailed that the larger ones were known as bigatures. Jackson decided that every single item in Middle Earth should be made from scratch. He said, I had to create the most believable world I could. The decision was to make it feel very historical with the levels of detail creating the illusion that the viewers were immersing themselves in a real world. And he done good. Mm, Yeah. This looks real. Uh, also, some of the sets and props were among the most detailed ever made for a film. The walled white castle of city of Minas Tirith was the largest set ever built in the Southern Hemisphere and functioned as a working small city. That's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> in Hobbiton, a vegetable garden was planted a year before filming to make the domestically gifted hobbits look at home. That's pretty cool. I know. That's like calling your shot. Yeah. <clears throat> props included more than 900 suits of handmade armor, more than 20,000 household and everyday items, and more than 1,600 pairs of individually sized prosthetic feet and ears. <laughs> Apparently, when they took the feet off, they would just fall apart, so they had to keep making them. Really? Because they were made of this really not-so-dense material. Okay. Yeah. 
So much so that I believe Samwise Gamgee at one point, when he's running into the river at the end of the first film, he cut his uh, foot on a piece of glass. He had to be helicoptered out because there was no place in sight that could get him there in time. No way. He would have lost his foot if he hadn't gotten to a hospital. No way. Because it went right through the the rubber foot. Uh, Also, Weta's... uh, For the first time on any film, a massive computer database stored every single frame shot in a digital library that could instantly access, analyze, and cross-reference any single item appearing in the film. Every element in the trilogy could be subject to digitally manipulated from landscapes to hobbits and horses. So they kept track of everything in this film for continuity. Sounds like it. Weta's preparatory crowd, a behavioral simulation software dubbed Massive, helped to bring the huge battle scenes into the Fellowship of the Ring. Every individual character in the crowd moves in response to the environment and the actions of other characters. That's a lot of software power to have to do that. Now, the casting, Gandalf. New Line encouraged Jackson to cast Sean Connery as Gandalf. And though Jackson, a fan of Connery's, agreed... Connery turned them down for a couple of reasons. One, the lengthy film time frame of 18 months, but his second reason was, quote, I didn't understand the script. That makes sense. <laughs> Ian McKellen was the next choice for the role of the wise river- wizard, but McKellen had committed to appear in X-Men. Bob Shea ran into him at a London restaurant and, to- let's be honest, it was a bar, and told him <laughs> I, was sa- I was sorry to hear he was busy because he re- had really wanted him. I went back to my table, and then a few minutes later, I decided to go back and ask just for the record, what is the scheduling conflict? And he said, well, you're starting Lord of the Rings three days before I finish X-Men. We did fix it, of course, and that's how he got in the movie. Good for them. They just pushed it three more days, and they're like, okay, you're in. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh. Aragorn? The actor cast for the a role of Aragorn, Stuart Townsend, was replaced after the first film was already three or four weeks into shooting. He was in nearly every scene in that time, and they all needed to be reshot. Producers felt the actor needed a little more gravitas and decided to replace Townsend with Viggo Mortensen. He said, we had five days in which to find and cast the right person, make the deal, and get him on a plane for New Zealand for 15 months, said executive producer Mark Ordesky. Mortensen, who is 14 years older than Townsend, seemed born to shoulder the role of the mysterious human warrior. It was even said that he was living in the forest in Aragorn's mudstained clothes. Huh. That's that's called method acting, everybody. Yeah, no kidding. I'm trying to even think of who Stuart Townsend is. He was in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, also starring Sean Connery. Ah, uh, yes. But he's not in a ton of other stuff. Like I'm trying to give everyone at home someone like picture, but yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you don't know who he is, look him up, and you'll just be going, "Who?" <laughs> he's been in a couple of vampire movies. Oh, okay. So he's stuck with the supernatural. Yeah, I think it's they probably made the better choice. Yeah. Now, other roles that could have been. For Aragorn, Vin Diesel was up for this role. (laughs) And according to Jackson, he was very compelling, but didn't feel like Aragorn. Russell Crowe was the backup in case Viggo Mortensen said no. And then there was Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, he hasn't made anything bad. (laughs) Now, for Boromir, Liam Neeson passed on this. And Hmm. Bruce Willis wanted to do it, but Jackson never asked him. No kidding. <laughs> Could you imagine Bruce Willis as Boromir? Yeah, I can. <laughs> Give me some McLean. <laughs> uh, You'd have made that last, that very last scene really, real good. Oh yeah, yeah. His platoon style death. Yeah. <laughs> um, Frodo, Jake Gyllenhaal no. was up for it, and then Elijah Wood came in. Apparently, there were 150 actors that came in for this w- role, Jeez. and Wood beat them all. So, and we'll talk about. 
some of which shortcomings later in this role. Uh, Arwen, and I'm sorry, Gandalf, Patrick Stewart was offered this, and he didn't like the script. Really? <laughs> well, let's be honest. He's in the throes of X-Men at the time also. True. So uh, Christopher Lee wanted this role, but he was too old. I've heard that, which probably explains why he was so mad in the movie. And to be honest with you, he's a better Saruman. Yeah, he's a really good Saruman. Yeah. Uh, Arwen, Helena Bonham Carter wanted to do it. And Uma Thurman was going to do it, but she got pregnant. Oh, kids ruin everything. <laughs> Damn kids. Helena Bonham Carter, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Who was she in Harry Potter? Uh, Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah, imagine Bellatrix Lestrange as an elf. No. No. Uh, and not an elf it in Harry Potter. Gosh, it would have been good to see her in a normal role, though. Yeah, yeah, because she always plays somebody she's a She's a good actress, but yeah. she's so typecast as like the crazy person. I think I've only seen her in one role where she wasn't just totally nuts. <laughs> For, let's see, Gimli, Billy Connolly, who later lent his voice to Dane Ironfoot in The Hobbit, yeah, Battle he, of the Five Armies. He was up for Gimli, but he was too far gone health-wise. And by the way, a correction, that was a CGI dwarf. Okay. Billy Connolly did not show up on set because he was in the middle of Alzheimer's. Okay. So they said, can you just record your voice? And then they CGI'd the dwarf. I so knew it. it wasn't, I knew it wasn't a real stupid. actor. I see. And I, as soon as I read all this, I, when we were doing the podcast, I, I immediately went, I was like, hold on a second here. I started looking. I was like, no, he was CGI'd. There it is. Now, Elrond, Hugo Weaving wanted to do it. And Jackson said no originally. And then he pulled him in and said, okay, please do this. <laughs> now, and Hugo Weaving at the time had just been doing, he had just finished with being Mr. Smith in the Matrix movies. Oh, yeah. So he's kind of sitting there going, I, I want to be typecast. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, no, 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 this is a good guy. This is good. You'll like him. Uh, and finally, Bilbo. Sylvester McCoy was passed over for Bilbo, but ended up, ended up playing Radagast the Brown in the Hobbit trilogy. So great. Ian Holm had played Frodo in a 1981 radio dramatization of The Lord of the Rings. His performance in that factored into Jackson's decision to offer him the Bilbo role. Really? It, it's all tied in, man. <laughs> That's pretty cool. No, this next piece is awesome. This is, this is something that you'd find in one of JC's, like this is on disc 78, uh, subsection 4, chapter 3. Due to the extreme time length needed for filming all three movies at once, the cast had to find some ways to hang out, which often meant listening to hip-hop and playing pranks on each other. Ironically, though, none of the horseplay really caused any trouble with their actual work, but the one thing that did was surfing. The nine black riders were known around the set for their love of surfing, and each had their own black wetsuit. (laughs) When Mortensen tried it, though, he got hit in the face with a surfboard, which is why you saw so many profile shots of him during the Minds of Moria scene. If the camera had shot at him in any other angle, you would have seen his swollen face and black eye. I have to pay attention to that. <laughs> Quote, Vigo, being the cool guy that he is, said that he fell down the stairs or trod on a frog or something like that, and we got away with it, said his partner in crime, Dominic Monaghan, Mary, <laughs> citing the additional fact that all the actors were barred from participating in active sports in the likely event of an injury should occur. So they covered for each other. They were a fellowship. Oh. Mm. Now, you might have noticed that the original image of Column in the first film, where he's stalking the fellowship, was not how he ended up looking later on. That's because after the pre-corrupted scene of Smeagol in Return of the King, portrayed by a non-computerized circus, was filmed, the crew wanted to redesign his image into the monstrous version we all know and love so as to make him look more like the Hobbit. So they went back and changed that, but it still remains in the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring, unaltered. 
And which part are you talking about? Uh, the, when he first is, when you first see him, and it says it was the ring was found by the creature Gala. Right. And he's sitting there. He doesn't. His head is much more protruding. And yeah. then there's a scene where he pulls his eyes up on a ladder, and the eyes are much larger. On oh, the figure. okay. Yeah. I was about to say like when he gets the ring out of the water and he has a human hand. It's like, well, yeah, he would have looked like that before when he found it. Right. I mean, you never well, know. Well, technically, that, could... that was Deagle that found that ring in the water, wasn't Smeagol? it? Yeah. So. That's what I'm, I mean, so, I don't know. You can chalk it up, you can chalk it up to the development of Gollum. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Now, after filming and post-production, no one knew how the film would be received until 26 minutes was shown at the Cannes Film Festival in May 2001. Quote, media reaction ranged from upbeat to wildly enthusiastic, reported Variety. This, by the way, was written by Variety, so of course they're going to put their own quote in there. Of course. Yeah. Uh, the party was one of the festival's best. Quote, it's hard to remember a pick, uh, a, a movie, with a splashier launch here. Party guests marveled at the walk-through Hobbit House, the swan boat floating in the misty swimming pool, and performers dressed as Middle Earthlings distributed throughout the castle's expansive grounds. That sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like a badass party. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when The Fellowship of the Ring was released on December 19th, 2001, September 11th was fresh in viewers' minds. Oh, yeah. Films mentioning terrorism, the World Trade Center, and airplanes were put on hold. Film goers were in the mood for pure escapism, preferably strong stories with strong heroes. And that's where this movie comes in. The film was never pre-previewed or tested with audiences. They were like, no, we got this. We're, that's we're, interesting. We're going to take you to a different place. During our whole process, uh, this is according to Michael Lynn, New Line's Michael Lynn. During our whole process of production on the film, we would stay in touch with the core fans all around the world through these internet sites, even involve them in the process as casting ideas arose, getting feedback from them. Peter was one of those crazy, goofy fans, so we understood that. Now, to the delight of hundreds of devoted fans, Jackson and several cast members showed up at the Oscar night fan celebration down the street from the Oscars at the parties for fellowship. Hmm. Yeah, so they showed up. Like Fans having parties, they're like, Let's stop by there, party. That's funny. Yeah, like after, the, this is Bill after Murray they win their awards. Yeah. So, Joel, <clears throat> were you excited to see this movie when it came out in theaters? Uh, when it came out in theaters, no, I was How wasn't. old were you when it came out? I was out? in the fourth grade. Okay, so you weren't interested then. So, when I used to go play, like, laser tag and stuff in Knoxville, my uncle's code name that he would always use because it would, like, show up on the gun so you could, like, keep data of who shot who, mm -hmm. uh, he was always Gandalf. And so, I knew of it, but I wasn't really into it yet obviously wasn't able to read the books yet okay and fully appreciate them or enjoy them i remember in elementary school i got really into the lord of the rings but i it must have been after this movie for me yeah i was excited i saw it opening night and i saw it three more times after that excuse me i'm chewing on pizza it's delicious pizza i could not believe how good this world looked on the screen and at first i didn't know where it was filmed i was like how do they make this out of computer generated images no, just New Zealand happens to be beautiful. It just happens to be amazing. Joel, I'm going to leave the synopsis to you here. I'm going to interject some things here and there, but give us a synopsis of the movie courtesy of the Wikipedias. All right, let's get into it. What can you see? Can you see anything? Nothing. There's nothing. Wait. There are markings. It's some form of elvish. I can't read it. There are few who can. The language is that of Mordor, which I will not utter here. Mordor? In the common tongue, it says one ring to 
rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness, fight them. This is the one ring, forged by the Dark Lord Sauron in the fires of Mount Doom, taken by Isildur from the hand of Sauron himself. Bilbo found it. In Gollum's cave. Yes. For 60 years, the ring lay quiet in Bilbo's keeping, prolonging his life, delaying old age. But no longer, Frodo. Evil is stirring in Mordor. The ring has awoken. It's heard its master's call. But he was destroyed. Sauron was destroyed. Sauron needs only this ring to cover all the lands of a second darkness. He is seeking it. Seeking it all his thought is bent on it. The ring yearns above all else to return to the hand of its master. They are one. The ring and the Dark Lord. Frodo, he must never find it. All right. We put it away. We keep it hidden. We never speak of it again. No one knows it's here, do they? Do they, Gandalf? The prologue in a less feminine voice. <laughs> in the second, sta- second age of Middle-earth, the Dark Lord Sauron forges the One Ring in Mount Doom to conquer all, abandoning a great part of his power to it in order to dominate through it at a distance. The other rings of power, which had been granted to the lords of elves, dwarves, and man, men. An army of men and elves battle Sauron's forces in Mordor where Prince Isildur Isildur. Isildur. I watched the movie. <laughs> you don't do names though, remember? I don't do names. I really don't, guys. It's a problem. Of Gondor cuts the one ring off of Sauron's finger, thereby temporarily destroying his physical shape and decides to take care of the ring himself. But the evil influence of the ring cor- corrupts Isildur. Did I get that one right? Isildur. That's her. Uh, <laughs> preventing him from destroying it in Mount Doom. Isildur is, la- got it. Isildur is later killed by orcs, and the ring is lost for 2,500 years, found and owned by Gollum for five centuries. Gave him extraordinarily or unhealthy. What is he? Extraordinarily unnatural. Long life. Life. Unnaturally long <laughs> yeah. life. The ring is then found by a hobbit named Bilbo Baggins. Okay, first off, Peter Jackson knows how to tell a prologue. Yes, he does. He, he does it good in the Hobbit. He was good at this in the Hobbit movies. He's good here. Galadriel is a phenomenal narrator. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think what I like about this is that you you haven't met Galadriel yet. No, you she's haven't. nowhere in the prologue. Mm. Oh wait, she's in the three wings were given to the elves. But you don't know. That's you her don't voice. know it's her. Yeah, CGI for wide scale shots look amazing, and practical effects for close ups. They gave me that shot of the orcs up close. Thank you, Peter Jackson, for the practical effects. Because when this is the first thing you see, 
after The Hobbit, you just smile and go, that looks real. Yeah. Sauron disappeared without the ring. Isn't that the opposite of what should happen? Disappears without the ring? Well, when he loses the ring, it gets cut off his finger, he goes into a puff of smoke. Right. Yeah, but when you put the ring on, you, you go invisible. Maybe it affects different people different ways. It is his ring, right? Yeah, it is his ring. <laughs> it's my ring. <laughs> it's that's, my ring. That's my bling. <laughs> I love the corruptive aspects of the ring and how it's visualized in this. Mm-hmm. It, it's short shots, edited very, very quickly, but you can see how quickly people turn in Gollum. <sighs> my precious. Yeah. Loved Gollum in the first Hobbit movie. Can't wait to see him show up in Two Towers. Yes. If you see it in that order. Right. <laughs> wait, that's not how that Bilbo ring sing happened. No. So this movie got it wrong, so they don't know continuity. Mm-hmm. I expect that Jackson will fix the scene at some point. But Jackson has already said, after I wrote that, I wrote, I wrote an article saying there's no need to. I'm like, yeah, yeah there's a need to. You think? Well, because... Think it matters, though? Well, the way it's dramatized isn't the same as it's dramatized in The Hobbit. Right. Because in it, he grabs the ring, and then, and then you hear Gollum yelling... Yeah. And that's not how it happened. No, I, and I noticed that. I just, I wonder if it matters for how much money it would cost them to do that. Like, if they could do it for a relatively low price. Yeah. Well, what if they just cut the piece from Martin Freeman of him finding the ring and just put that little piece I'm in sure the I'm sure you could do that. I mean, that, that'd be an easy fix right there. Right. So, uh, yeah. Well, what else is going on with this movie? Well, 60 years on, we see Gandalf arriving by carriage and greeted by Frodo Baggins, <laughs> which is Bilbo's nephew. Ah. Frodo asks about the outside world, which is very different from other hobbits. They arrive in the Shire for Bilbo's 111th birthday. Is that what it is? Yes. 111th birthday. Or is it 111st? 111st. 111st. Yeah. Uh, Gandalf is so playful with the fireworks. Like, I love this old man right here. Mm-hmm. He shows, and then when he smiles, like, <laughs> uh, Gandalf arrives at Bilbo's. Bilbo reveals he intends on leaving the Shire for one last adventure and leaves his inheritance to his fr- nephew Frodo, including the ring. Yay for that. But I don't know which Bilbo I like more. Oh, Freeman. <laughs> Perhaps they're both perfect for the ages that they represent. Because I couldn't see Martin Freeman playing an old man. No, I agree. They, they're they perfect for the age. But as far as yeah. the, Freeman, Freeman's Bilbo may be one of the better characters in all movies. As far as the way he plays him. Okay. As I, far as actor fitting the role and doing with the role more than kind of what you expect it mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, absolutely. See, now after watching the cartoon version... The version that I liked more was Ian Holm, because I could see that as being more hobbity. He's more mm-hmm. portly, you know. Yeah. There's not too many thin hobbits out there outside of Frodo. Right. And the other three, not Samwise. <laughs> but Martin Freeman kind of played it a little bit differently, but he also played it very aloofly, which I thought was also a good trait for hobbits. Mm-hmm. So you can take or leave it with either one of these. They both played great Bilbo's. Yeah. I want to go to a hobbit party. Oh yeah. Those things look so much fun. Just carefree, a lot of food. Yeah, and Rosie Cotton's hitting there, and she looks hot. <laughs> Bilbo telling the kids stories is great. The little girl's expression is priceless. That, <gasps> yeah. And apparently Peter Jackson took her to the premiere of The Hobbit. And really? she was like 17, 18. It's like, yeah, I brought her along also, you know, just for fun, you know, because she's been a part of this whole universe forever. And That's appara- so funny. Apparently, I hear a rumor that she's in all the films in some way. Really? Yeah. Huh. Not as, it's different characters, right? But I'm sure she was probably in uh, Lake Town, yeah, or something to that effect, right? We meet Sam, Mary, and Pippin. 
Mary and Pippin are clearly the comic relief. They are C-3PO and R2-D2 for these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Yeah. The dragon firework is awesome. Yes. <laughs> I want one of those so bad. <laughs> uh, Bilbo's speech is not one he would have given in the Hobbit films. Something has turned him darker. Mm-hmm. He has a great quote there. I'm not going to try even try to butcher it, but I love the, like his intro to his speech. The I... I I like half of you as much as I know you, and I, I know, know half, half of you as much as I like you. Are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's such, and I love how it falls on crickets too. Like yeah. nobody else knows what he means either. <laughs> and I love the look and sound of the ring hitting the ground when he drops it out of his hand. There's a lot of weight, and it doesn't bounce at all. No, it just. Thump. It's almost as like it's attracted to the source. Yeah, like the core of the earth. So good, Middle Earth. So those are my notes. Anything you want to add in there? No. Okay. Let's keep going. All right. Gandalf investigates the ring, discovering its true identity, and warns Frodo, learning Gollum was tortured by orcs and told them that Bilbo took the ring. Gandalf instructs Frodo to leave the Shire and head to Bree at the end of the Prancing Pony, accompanied by his gardener, Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> now, let it be known that Gandalf leaves the town. Yeah, he goes to his big library. And this answers a big question that you all had during the first Hobbit movies was, does Gandalf know that this is the Ring of Power? And here it shows us no, he does not. He has no idea. Yeah. Because once he realizes it's the Ring of Power, he gets back on his horse, goes back to the Shire, and throws it in the fire Mm -hmm. just to see if the markings appear. Yeah. So no, he had no idea that it was the Ring of Power. So I guess now the thought is, did he really know that he had a ring? Well, he says at the end of the Hobbit movies, he says rings of power are not to be used lightly or whatever it is. Okay. He kind of gives him that warning. That's right. But he also says there are many rings of power. Right. And it could have he's, been. He's making sure. Wait, is this is this the ring? Mm-hmm. That maybe, and when he throws in the fire, you see the look on his face of relief. And then when Frodo says, "Oh, there's some markings on there," he's kind of like, "Oh." I, d- I honestly don't know if it even <laughs> crossed his mind because I feel like that's something he would have checked on early on. Well, and I think that's why I prefer these movies ahead of The Hobbit and that you watch these three first and then you go back to The Hobbit to get all the Easter eggs. Right. But let, I do want to say something this movie does really well. Mm-hmm. If you start with The Hobbit, this intro is much better now as far as you're hearing him tell the story to the little kids yeah. and you can picture it all because you just saw it. Right, and right, right. There are a few other things, especially, you know, Bilbo not really wanting to be around the people that tried to steal all of his belongings while he was gone. <laughs> yeah. And the only person he's really excited to see is... Proud you know, feet! Yeah. The <laughs> only person he's excited to see is Gandalf, and, every, and Frodo is excited to see Gandalf because he's heard about adventures, and he makes the comment. He's like, I didn't, you know, I didn't tell him. He's like, I just more gave him a nudge out the door. <laughs> I hard, so, if you're talking about the business with the dragon, I hardly had anything to do yeah. with it. <laughs> and so, even though this movie was made before they even thought about making The Hobbit, it was such a great job to pick up almost right where you left off. Yes. Clearly, Sauron is someone that everybody remembers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Frodo doesn't want the ring and tries to give it to Gandalf, but Gandalf Don't ain't having it. <laughs> tempt me, Frodo. <laughs> now, it should be noted, this is the first time out of three times he offers the ring to somebody else in this film. He offers it three times Weak. to Weak. Gollum is a snitch. <laughs> Shire! Baggins! <laughs> that would lead them here. <laughs> yeah, it would. 35 minutes and we're starting the adventure. But for some reason, it doesn't feel like there's any fluff here. 
The, the first movie of The Hobbit, there were 45 minutes before we started the adventure. And you could have cut things down. You can't really cut anything out of these films right now. Can you think of anything you could cut out that you would want to cut well, out? But I wouldn't have cut anything out of The Hobbit. Well, I know you wouldn't. But you, you need to quit poo-pooing The Hobbit. I'm sorry, dude. The Hobbit films are just inferior. But it is. But let's go back. It was not a D film. The Battle of Five Armies. No. Yes, it no, was. No, it wasn't. It, For, certainly, it was not an A film either if you want to get into it. It was not an A. <laughs> Now, I will say it is not an A movie overall for movies, but if you're going to shrink it down to the fantasy film genre, I would, I'd, I don't know, not even 10 movies maybe ahead of that. For fantasy, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. It wasn't a D, well, but... I have my reasons and I disagree. So. <laughs> but, it, no, to answer your question, no, I would not take anything out and it does not feel like 35 minutes. No. Sean Astin? Is a great Samwise. Yes, he is. Yeah, uh, those accent tends to go in and out. Have you noticed that? Mm-mm. He starts like when he's first caught. When Gandalf hits him with the, the I was a stick. Oh, the staff. <laughs> he says something. It's almost like a Scottish accent, and then he goes back into regular English. Then so I was like, I think that was kind of a tryout to see if it worked. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, there's a rule here. Don't put on the ring. Whenever it's on, the agents of evil can see him. Yep. And I love the line from Sam. If I take one more step. It'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of traveling in terms of proximity from my home. We have a theme, home and friendship. Yeah. I, and I'll be honest with you, that line sticks out in a way that every time I travel, I think to myself, how far away am I from where I was before? And am I further now than I was last time? Yeah. That's why I've always loved The Hobbit and also these movies, mm-hmm. but more the character of The Hobbit in that, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm from especially a town that was, it's like very small, and you have literally everything you need there. And I've talked about it before on the podcast. And so it is, I love having the character, and it applies to everyone. It's not just people, East Tennessee, wherever, saying, like, it's okay, you know, take a step. Right. Gandalf rides to Isengard to meet with Saruman, the White, who reveals to Gandalf that the Nazgul, or the Ring Wraiths, have left minus Morgul to capture the ring and kill whoever carries it. I love watching Ian McKellen, Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. Like I could, if you just gave me a movie of that, I'm good. It's funny. I was watching this with one of my roommates and, uh, <laughs> something came up in my mind. I was like, I miss the being young and caring about these stupid award shows, like the MTVs <laughs> or the like kids choice awards. Cause I'm pretty sure this was up for like a best fight of the year. It won. Yeah. Best fight of the year. Yeah. What, what award was that? It was, it was MTV movie awards. That's what I thought. That's right. Yeah. You got it, man. I remember because I remember that was the first time I was introduced to this movie. Was it really? I was watching the award shows. Okay. I hadn't seen it yet. I mean, I was fourth grade. That's before Twilight hit and they just took over everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. And gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to, I just trying to think of like, man, can't not even comparable movies. No, <laughs> like, no, no. But they ruined the pop culture. Yeah. Like, Oh, man. The, uh, yeah, and I, I will say this, it, and I certainly don't want to continue to belabor the point. As, as much as I have slammed, if, if you will, The Hobbit, it ain't Twilight. Twilight sucks. <laughs> Twilight's garbage. Okay? That, it, now I will That's give Twilight a D. Well, okay. So I, I finished it. That's why. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> if it's an F, I didn't finish it. <laughs> um, Sour Mind clearly has a dark side and has been using that seer store in. Bad man. Bad, shouldn't be doing that. When bad. Gandalf touches it, he sees the eye of Sauron. And I noticed something. The eye this time doesn't have the necromancer in the middle of the, in the iris. No. Which I was kind of like, oh, that would have been a cool little touch to put in there. Because mm-hmm. I thought I missed it, actually. So when I first saw it, I was like, let me see that. 
Oh, there it is. Something that... Uh, no, I'll get to that later. I th- I'll say this. I think that was a nice touch in The Hobbit to do that. Yeah, and that I, was cool. And it's something that I wish Peter Jackson would retroactively go back into these films and fix. Yeah. Because if you're going to do that there, do it here. Yeah. What else is going on? While traveling to the town of Brief... Oh, Frodo- we forgot. Did Gandalf we- attempts to flee. <laughs> to warn oh. Frodo. <laughs> Gandalf. Gandalf attempts to flee to warn Frodo, but Saruman, already having already having been corrupted by Sauron's cause, imprisons Gandalf atop his tower. This is the best wizard fight ever. <laughs> yeah, great. Sorry, I jumped the gun. I got really excited. And when Sauron is spinning Gandalf, it looks amazing. <laughs> That's, that is the scene that I remember that they played before they gave him the award. Yep, yeah. It's, I was like, oh, what is this movie? Hey, Gandalf and Sauron using staffs and the force. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, my other you know, one, uh, roommate I watched it with, yeah. he was saying, why doesn't he use magic more? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's something we've talked about on the show. <laughs> you know, sometimes he feels like using a sword. Sometimes he feels like using magic. Yes, um, it should be noted here that he is using his staff, though, as a weapon for attack. He's not just defending with it. Right. So. No, no. In this scene, yes, but yeah. I, it was later. Um, but to go back, while traveling to the town of Bree, Frodo and Sam are soon joined by fellow hobbits Merry and Pippin, R2-D2 and C-3PO. <laughs> Han Solo and Luke? Yeah. (laughs) While being chased by a farmer, they fall down a cliffside and land on a road. Frodo gets an uneasy feeling as he looks down the path and has everyone hide. Great scene. Yes. Arriving shortly (laughs) afterwards is one of the nine riders of a ring wraith. They stay hidden, but Frodo is tempted to use the ring. Luckily, Sam stops him, and they lure the rider away. This scene's great because this is the first time it shows you in present day that the ring still has power. Yes. Um, because, I mean, Frodo's eyes kind of roll back into his head, and you can see him kind of, like, trying to hold back. <laughs> and this is a scene that is the first of many where Sam is a very unsung hero. Sam is... I, I agree. Sam is the Taco Bell unsung hero of the game. <laughs> My, uh, I've got a friend... Sam, the yep. one they wrote in the Nickelback question. Okay, yeah, yeah. I want to say it was him. Sam, if I'm wrong, correct me. But was saying that I think Sam to the Lord of the Rings is like Hermione to Harry Potter. In yes. that you don't get to pay attention to him much, but if it weren't for them, this these movies don't happen. Yeah. Like you can talk about Harry. You can talk about anyone with the last name Baggins. He, he's not a Ron. No. Because Sam is stronger than Ron a, was in those movies. Yes. Um, I love the melding of the two parties. It just feels natural. They run into each other in a cornfield. You've been stealing crops from farmer, whatever it is. <laughs> that little uh, the pick at, or the you see the axe jumping, and I thought to myself, this is like Peter Cottontail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the zoom lens on the road looks amazing. It looks spooky, and then you get underneath there, and there are a lot of bugs. But do the bug the bugs come up when the riders walk up? Right, almost yes. as if like death is above them that and that's what i always thought and then i heard an interpretation of it which is even the bugs are running away from this okay and i was like i like that one better yeah that one says pretty good yeah because the bugs aren't attacking them they're just crawling out yeah so i kind of oh they do come from above don't they yeah so in my mind now i've adopted the idea that even they are getting the heck out of there okay yeah see in my mind i was picturing them coming up from the ground yeah. That, you're right. I wrote down, wow, it got dark pretty fast. <laughs> oh, Either Jackson isn't good at editing or are we to believe the four hobbits are that good at hide and seek. I choose the latter. Well, <laughs> as we see in the first movie or in the first three movies, they are master <laughs> master burglars. I love the chase down to Buckleberry Ferry. Uh, the leap from Frodo, it actually has you hold your breath. 
Mm-hmm. It, it it still as an action sequence, it still looks good. But why is Frodo so far back again? Jackson in chase scenes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and what we. Yeah, and what we didn't review in the thing is they end up running away yeah. from the riders, and then he jumps onto water, and apparently the riders can't swim. <laughs> no, they, they don't like water. Don't like water. Which we'll get to later. So they're not still under the log. They have all run off. Yes. Um, well, he, th- he threw the rock to, or Sam threw something to kind of distract him, and then they headed in the opposite direction. Pippin. Oh, was it Pippin that did it? I think it was Pippin. Okay. Well, Pippin was good for something in this. He was. Screwed the entire group over. (laughs) He starts. He starts a ton of problems, which we'll talk about. But he does help in uh, certain times. But after encountering a ring wraith on the road, they manage to reach Bree, only to discover that Gandalf hasn't arrived yet. Instead, Frodo meets a man they call Strider, who agrees to lead them to Rivendell. And I, this is another thing I love about these films, and that is anytime you meet a new character, they are played in a way that you're not supposed to know what they're up to. Mm-hmm. You meet Galadriel first. She seems you don't know what to get out of her. You meet Strider. You don't really know how to get, get you know, this person either. But Yeah. I love that the door in Bree has two windows, a top one and a bottom one for hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice uh, the name that uh, Frodo gives when he gets to the inn? Underhill? Underhill. Yes. Which is the same name that uh, Bilbo gives the dragon. Oh my gosh, it is, isn't it? It is. Oh, I didn't even... Oh, how did I not put that together? Done? Is the, <laughs> in reality, the fellowship is like... the You start with the fellowship. Yeah. But if you watch The Hobbit, it doesn't go like... It doesn't go without... Like in vain, I guess. No. Because there are small things that I never noticed before until like doing the podcast and watching all these through again. Right. It's like, oh, because Underhill, don't make that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and that every time I hear Pippin t- talk, I think of when he says, uh, Gandalf says, to, be think, to think that I've been good morning by a took. <laughs> you know? As if like that part of the family was not really like held highly. So the whole time you're thinking, oh, Pippin's the the dumb cousin that everyone just tries to like play away from and took i believe isn't that belladonna took's son isn't isn't belladonna took bilbo's cousin i think so yeah so that's a relation we have frodo and pippin no. pippin are related but mariotic is not belladonna took i think was was that bilbo's mom oh, i'm thinking of the sackville bagginses sackville yes yes no belladonna took was bilbo's mom okay because gandalf says uh, so it's like his half brother then, Bilbo's half brother. Bilbo's half brother son. Nephew. Nephew. They're they're both their nephews. Okay, so nephews. Yeah, Be- nephews. So they're related. Nephews. So they're related. <laughs> they're related. <laughs> uh, hey, that's Peter Jackson eating that carrot. Is it really? Yeah, when they're walking through and you see this big drunk guy on the side, he got a carrot. That's Peter Jackson. <laughs> I didn't pay attention. That's uh, awesome. With, with each additional scene, I love Pippin and Mary more and more. Yes. This, my friend, is a pint. It comes in pints? <laughs> you already got one. <laughs> uh, Gandalf sets a rule at the beginning that excuses his ability to show up when he wants. Mm. He says it at the very beginning of this film, so you don't sit there going, where's he going now? He comes and goes as he pleases. He's a freaking wizard. That's what he does iconic scene and that this is why i like these movies before the hobbit because the rule is set then in the, these movies as, as opposed to the hobbit mm. so i think this kind of forgives something that you see in the hobbit that i had a problem with Gan, uh, iconic scene as the ring falls on frodo's finger 
Yeah. Uh, and Frodo comes face to face with the Eye of Sauron, and the Iris is clearly not a man like a Hobbit. <laughs> right. Oh, and let's be sure we mention either Merry or Pippin pushing Frodo under the bus, saying, yes. Baggins? Yeah, there's a Baggins. He's right over there. <laughs> I know that guy. He's hanging over there <laughs> by the pinball machine. Yeah, as everyone in the bar knows there's like a bounty on him, or I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I, although I will say this bar scene looks really, it looks like a fun bar. Whereas the one that we saw, remember at the beginning Both of Battle of the Fire of Armies, yeah. it wasn't a fun bar because maybe it's because that was what Thorin was seeing. Mm-hmm. Like he was paranoid. He maybe. was seeing all the, he wasn't well, seeing the fun. Well, that's the one also, that is where there was a bounty out. There was a, you, there was a reward on Oakenshield's head. Right. From the orc. So they, he was probably... He wasn't safe no matter where he went. Yeah. In this, it's like everybody's forgotten about it. Just having a good time in Brie again. Yeah. Viggo Mortensen's star rises in this film. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Hollywood. You're, you're going to be famous from now on. Great use of the edit here. The ring wraiths start stabbing beds. Oh, that is that is a scene that it took me probably five times watching it before I would relax when it, being like, remember that they're not in the bed. And it, it, it really says a lot because Peter Jackson was originally a horror film director. Really? And this is clearly a horror edit. Yeah. And it's amazing. Their screams are legitimately frightening. The ring wraiths. Mm-hmm. The ring wraiths are the Nazgul, are the nine men who were given rings. We are finally given that information. We didn't know who they were before. Oh. We thought at first they were just Dementors. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, by the way, they look better than the Dementors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Dementors are almost too fantasy. I mean, don't get me wrong. No, they are. I, Harry Potter is epic fantasy also. Yes, and I, I do love Harry Potter. It was really hard for me not to watch Harry Potter when I was supposed to be watching these movies because before we started this, I've just been in my relaxing time. When I get a minute, I'll just put a Harry Potter in and I'll yeah. watch it well, mindlessly. Funny, I'll watch these for studying. Funny thing about that is that this movie came out the same year as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh. The same year. Now I saw that in theaters. But, so 2001, that was a good year. Good year for the epic fantasy genre. Yes, which by the way, how many films are there in the... Harry eight. Potter series. Eight, eight. Eight there. There's six eight. here. So we have a 14 total right now. Oh. Yeah. Zoinks. Which, could you imagine doing, like, these back-to-back? Not back-to-back. Well, I mean, honestly, man, we kind of did it with Alien and then hopping into here. Well, that was six movies. That was the most we've ever done. That was a lot. Yeah. But we also, we wanted to fit this in because it's summertime and JC's got the time. Right. No, Ironic- I, ironically, he has the time. He's not here today, but no, he has the time. <laughs> I get, I, I definitely get why. Yeah. Um, and I do love these movies, and I'm happy now that I am can consider myself a fan of the Alien franchise, even the just the gas station sushi that was three and four. <laughs> I love that gas station sushi. That was perfect. <laughs> But <laughs> at, at some point, we will do the Harry Potters because I think they yeah. deserve their due. Oh, they're so good. Uh, and uh, just forewarning, Man, those would be just forewarning. Oh. I'm going to slam Chamber of Secrets. Man, that's, <laughs> that's the, the only one, one I, I have a problem. That's with. the one that I've watched like twice this week. And I know we're getting off on a tangent, but this is our show. We can do what we want. Damn right. Um, that's the one. Like, I just don't watch that one. No, I don't know why. It's I always the most skip forgettable. Over. It is. And it, I don't know if it's the, the snake or <laughs> like. <laughs> But there, there are great scenes to it. I remember reading it, and that was when I was reading that book as a child. I would, I got so deep into it, and that's when I realized I loved Harry Potter. Because mm-hmm. when Ron has the flying car that comes to the door, and they get him out, yeah, that was the, one of the first books I just couldn't put down. Okay, but the movie itself, I can't always forget about it. Yeah, I always end up like the sixth, the fifth one was always on TV, or the sixth one. The first one I watched like crazy. Well, for a while, Goblet of Fire was like on rotation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because uh, for me, Goblet of Fire is that was the movie that got me into the series. Because that's where I was like, Goblet oh, of Fire was. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, there's stakes. People can die. Oh yeah. All right. Well, also it to be known again away from it. <laughs> The reason I got more into Harry Potter than I did Lord of the Rings, even though I've done more research, I think, and my heart is more in The Hobbit, mm-hmm. the book of The Hobbit. When I was a, when Harry Potter was eleven, I was eleven. When Harry Potter was fourteen, I so was you 14. grew with Harry Potter. We legitimately all grew up. So when Emma Watson was in the first one, like I saw her as an eleven-year-old boy would see her. Yeah, and she was cute. She, I was like, yeah, it's just a girl in the class. Get past the hair, she's but, cute. But when we all were graduating, she had gone she, to Brown, and it, I got a letter for football at Brown, and I've never <laughs> responded so quick. I'm in! I've had a crush on this girl since I was 11! <laughs> but anyway, as they continue... <laughs> back to this back movie. Back to the movie. <laughs> now y'all, y'all learned a little bit I'm about I'm keeping us. all this in there. <laughs> well, they continue traveling and spend the night on the hill of Weathertop. Where they are attacked by the Nazgul. Apparently, even ring rates, ring rates like bacon. Gosh, I love bacon. <laughs> I want to finish this pizza over next to me, but I have reading to do. I love that the hobbits circle up. They don't run away. No, that is good. They're fighters, or at least have the spirit to fight. They have the spirit to fight. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Strider fights off the ring rates, where now you realize, oh, Strider's here for a purpose. And a badass with a sword. Badass. <laughs> Uh, but Frodo is grievously wounded uh, by one of the race that stabbed him. Sorry. Stabbed him with a Morgul blade, which will cause him to turn into a wraith if he's not attended to with the proper care. Yeah, Frodo gets legitimately hurt here. Yeah. Uh, our hero isn't going to avoid danger, and he's already starting to become corrupt. Mm-hmm. So there is no everybody safe. Right. Uh, ring wraiths hate fire. Got it. Water and fire. They don't like it. Uh, and Strider throwing the torch into the hood of the ring wraith looks amazing. Awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. good. Although when it first goes in, it kind of looks like a robot's underneath the hood. It's got its arms out like straight, just kind of shaking him like that. But it still looks really cool. Yeah. So I got to give him a lot of credit for that one. Good job on that one, Jackson. Um, Gandalf is forced to watch as Saruman, following Sauron's orders, commands the orcs of Isengard to construct weapons of war and produce a new breed of orc fighters called the Urukai. Yeah. Holy cow. This is a gross scene. This, gosh. <laughs> Orcs this is are gross. gross. <laughs> this is in my f- buddy Wes and I talked about it. It's like, why couldn't this have been what they did with The Hobbit? I get that it was a new generation and that they were trying something new with the digital. And again, that's what that's what made it like an A to a B in mine. But also, they were shorter on time. Right. They were working on I, this for five years. This in, in in the Hobbit, he had to pick up where Guillermo del Toro left off, and they had a deadline. They had to meet. Yeah. So you got to give Jackson a little. I mean, I should probably say this to myself. I got to give Jackson a little bit of credit for trying to put something together that good. Right. In such a short amount of time, because yeah. I think if he had longer, it would have been even better. Right. Um. I guess I phrased that wrong. My thought, I guess, is could you imagine what the Hobbit's tone would have been like if all the orcs were real? I get in it. Maybe like the Hobbit overall was a much more like lighter feel and, you know, it got dark in moments. But I guess on the overall aspect, it was a children's book or a book for children. So they didn't go super deep. But man, I miss the real orcs. How about this? I'm going to really bake your bacon on this one. If Jackson had gotten his way and gotten the Hobbit done first, 
would you have had all of those extra scenes in there with Gandalf and Galadriel and figuring out the ring? No, you wouldn't probably have. not. It honestly might have just been made into one movie, <laughs> one movie or two. It could have been a two. Bo- it could have been a two movie because you don't need to. Because you don't need to school. If they made this first, yeah. What don't you get? You don't get the elven love story. Right. You're not going to get Legolas. No Legolas. Uh, you're not going to get... Um, That's my wee lad Gimli. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a funny scene. I like that one. Um, Anything with Sauron or Galadriel, you're not going to get. Right. Uh, Radagast, you're not going to get. Mm. These are all things that... I did like Radagast. If Hobbit is done first, you're removing some of those things and... They could have ended up being featurettes for this film. You're right. I and and you know I'll say what I said in yeah. the uh, our podcast from before. If you take those out, you may have an A movie. <laughs> like you may have a higher movie than what we got. Possibly, yeah. But as far as you know, going away from like that wasn't needed. That wasn't needed. Right. Um, uh, wouldn't Saruman know that Gandalf can talk to moths and such? Why put him in a place where he'd have access to them? I guess, well, I mean, can you really get away from bugs? I mean, if you put them in, like, a, a room and you block, brick up the room. That's fair. You know. Uh, orcs are gross. Urukai are disgusting. Birth of these beasts is friggin' gross, but looks fantastic. Yeah. It's something out of Alien. It's it on the level of gross as Alien. Yeah. If not grosser, because it's birth. Yeah. Like, they're, it's that. On the side of a mountain. <laughs> it's so disgusting. <laughs> God. Okay, what's going on? <laughs> While chased by the Nazgul, Frodo is taken by the elf Arwen to the elven haven of Rivendell. Rivendell, not to be confused with Archie and Jughead's Riverdale. <laughs> and healed by her father, Elrond, the leader of the elves at the Battle of Mount Doom 3,000 years before. Arwen uses her magic to cut off the pursuing ringwraiths at the ford of Bruinen, summoning the charge, summoning the, a surge of water that swept the ringway, ring wraiths away. This <laughs> is a, a lot to say. This swept an, the ring away. This is another iconic scene. And Ar- Arwen summoning the surge of water. If you want him, come and claim him. And Liv Tyler sells it. Yeah. Like, I remember not believing that she'd be good in this because she was a music video girl. It wasn't, I mean, she was Steven Tyler's daughter. What, what's she going to do in this? And she was good. I believe her in this, and I am not going to lie. There's something about the fact that when she says that, I get a little turned on. <laughs> like, yeah, if you, I want it. I'm come and claim it. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, I put Arwen's introduction as well done. Liv Tyler, this is the perfect role for you. Yeah. She can't do much of anything else, but she can play the hell out of Arwen. <laughs> uh, can we just talk about a second how good Jackson is at casting? He's great. Because we talked about the cast list before. Think of how much different this movie would have looked if any of those other people had been in this film. This is a different movie of Bruce Willis' Boromir. Completely different movie. I mean, if you have Connery <laughs> as Gandalf. It's totally different. And Jackson has succeeded. Here's the thing. Jackson is a... I think he's one of the top ten best directors we've ever had. Mm-hmm. I can Be- see that. And because his whole process is so solid... It's hard to find fault unless you start nitpicking away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you look at this film, coming from a horror movie background, this was the perfect one to start with. If you could start with The Hobbit, that may have been darker than people wanted it to be. This is the proper film to get dark with. Right. Uh, Clearly, Arwen and Strider know each other and have a relationship. It doesn't feel forced in. It applies to the moment. When she puts the sword to his, goes, you're not fast enough. I'm like, oh, she's a badass too. (laughs) 
another Jackson Chase scene. <laughs> Just have to suspend belief when it comes to the editing. First, they're 10 yards behind. Then they're one yard behind. Then they're all coming from everywhere when they're just behind her. Uh. <laughs> uh, and CGI water doesn't look great, but it looks good. Film versus digital. It's not like the barrel scene. And I know you love the barrel scene. I love the scene. I didn't. I don't necessarily love the digital and the yeah. realistic aspects of it. But the scene, and the fact that they put the horses in the foam looks really cool. Yeah. I, I didn't notice that until I saw it like the third time in the theater. And I was like, oh, that was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that was one I think that... Oh, I saw that one because that is the... On the trilogy of the books that I have, mm-hmm. that is the cover image. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, and it was before the movies. So it was just like... So it's like the artist rendition of that. Yeah. Um, in Rivendell, Frodo finds Gandalf, who explains why he didn't meet them at Bree, and that he has escaped... Orthanic? Orthanc? 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 Organic? (laughs) Whole Foods. Orthanc and Saruman's clutches with the help of an eagle. Again. Eagle! (laughs) Uh, Holding Gandalf over the edge is so cool. Mm. Flat as a board, stiff as a nail. (laughs) Eagles, pretty spry for an old guy, jumps off that thing and just lands on an eagle. Uh, Frodo's reunited with Sam, Mary, and Pippin, and it's clear they're best friends. Very clear. We get it. They are a family, if you will. Uh, we see old Bilbo. Wow, that ring has kept that old guy looking real young. <laughs> no ring. He has aged fast. Now, do you know how much time has passed from the time that Bilbo left to this point? I do not. I heard someplace that when Gandalf leaves to go look up what the ring is, a year passes. Really? That somebody told me that, and I have no way of proving it because I haven't looked it up, honestly. Uh, but if that's the case, I can understand the aging quickly that way. But if it's just a couple weeks, he, he's gonna be dead tomorrow, right? Uh, the conversation between Bilbo and Frodo is a great passing of the torch moment, mm-hmm. and uh, in that respect, now I got to go back and what I said you watch the Hobbit movies. Before this, so you get Bilbo's legend, and then you get Frodo's, because this is the passing of the torch moment. Right. Uh, he gives him his mithril. He gives him his sting. It's literal passing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elrond and Gandalf discuss why the ring can't stay in Rivendell. Mordor and Isengard is too much for the elves to handle. They clearly don't think anybody else can handle it. They're like, we can't handle all this stuff. They don't trust men. They don't trust dwarves. What has happened in 60 years? I thought at the end of Battle of Five Armies, everybody trusted each other again. That's a good point. Some, something's gone down. <laughs> uh, hey, it's Legolas. He looks younger. <laughs> <laughs> he looks great. <laughs> and apparently has a last name, Greenleaf. We didn't know that. Elrond's telling of the story from his perspective is a great add-in at this moment. Men cannot be trusted. And I love him standing there at the... I, I, I was there when Isildur you know, prove that men couldn't be trusted. And I was like, that was a nice touch. Don't just tell us, show us, and move on with the story. Uh, dwarves can't be trusted. Men can't be trusted. Elves don't trust anyone. But the Fellowship shows that they're as good in any, all, with a representative from each. And my axe. <laughs> and my arrow. <laughs> and my sword. Uh, I, and we learned that Strider is the one who can reclaim the throne of Gondor. Oh. He's Aragorn. Nice. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So that's what I, those are all the things that I noticed in this scene. Yeah. Well, that evening, Boromir 
is walking the halls of Rivendell and sees the shards of Narsil, the blade that cuts Sauron's hand. He sees Strider and drops the sword and to the ground in disgust. Strider places the sword back on its pedestal when Arwen approaches. Strider then is reminded that although he is heir to the Isildur, he is on a different path. Strider is worried that he has the same corruptive potential, but Arwen reminds him that he is different. I understand that you need the scene here with them on the bridge. I understand it to a point. Because you've introduced the relationship, you have to solidify it now to, for what's going to happen later on with Eowyn mm-hmm. and why she spurned. Um, the, I, it, what I like here is that Aragorn is as weak when it comes to his own self-confidence as anybody in this film. He doesn't believe he's the heir to Gondor. He, well, he believes it, but he, says, he doesn't want to follow on the same path. He feels like it's a hereditary thing. That if he yeah. goes, he'll be corrupted also. And it, you need someone close to him to remind him that that's not who he is because she sees something different. She has a point to this. Mm-hmm. I under, And the necklace. The necklace must keep elves immortal. Is that what it is? Maybe. Because I always saw it as when she gives it away, she's giving away her chance at immortality to him so she can live a mortal life with him. That's what I always saw it as. Well, That's says, what I was always I told a, that it was. She chooses a mortal life. I'm like, well, that must take away the immortality. Hmm. Because when Elrond sees it later on, he's kind of like, where's your, where's your token? Yeah. <laughs> you where's your name badge? Yeah, you choose to be immortal. I'm like, can you just choose that, or is that the necklace that does that? So. Oh, I don't know. I put cool twist on the mythology here, if that's the case. Yeah. Let me ask, this is the part of the movie... We need JC for it. He would know. <laughs> well, where we need JC. But historically, over time, that I just, like, kind of zonk out at. Mm-hmm. The, it slows it down. It's It slows it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> it's apparently in the book, this is a much longer scene as well yes which is honestly the reason i didn't read it in high school because one of my friends told me hey the council of elrond is like 90 pages i was like what oh it's a massive debate i was like it's just it's like two minutes in the movie he's like yeah it's really long in the book so that's all that's why i never really picked up the books i'm like i don't have time in my life right now to get through the council of elrond which by the way gimli throwing that hammer down on that ring that was like thor <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, but later Elrond calls a council, the one I was just talking about, to decide what should be done with the ring. Elrond warns against keeping the ring in Rivendell for long, knowing that the elven realm could come under attack from both Mordor and Isengard. Frodo places the ring amongst the circle. Strider's Aragorn. Thanks, Legolas. Thank you. And Boromir isn't happy as a representative of Gondor. (laughs) He is Captain Sour Grapes. And this is where... (laughs) I'll go ahead and say now... This movie alone has been used as memes and as family guy cutaways so much that it was hard for me to take a lot of this movie seriously. When you hear one does not simply, you immediately go to a meme now. Yep. Same thing as the you shall not pass. Thinking of every like college meme that came out or even like you see them in in the teacher's classrooms here. There's so many. That's not even the only ones. Yeah. There's so many pop culture references that came from this movie alone. And I think that says a lot about its popularity. Mm-hmm. You, had an, you had a fantasy film that everybody liked. Yeah. That never happens. <laughs> Striders. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's all I got there. Yeah. So the ring can only be destroyed by throwing it into the fires of Mount Doom where it was forged. Whoa. That ring just destroyed Gimli's axe. Could it destroy Thor's hammer? 
<laughs> Ooh, crossover. Yeah. Come on, Fage. I love uh, that they are all arguing over the ring, and you see the reflection of them arguing in the metal of the ring. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is a sweet shot. That is cool. Frodo volunteers to take the ring to Mount Doom, and it is accompanied by his hobbit friends and Gandalf, as well as Strider, who is revealed to be Aragorn, the rightful heir to the throne of Gondor. Also traveling with them are the elf Legolas, the dwarf Gimli, and Boromir, the son of the steward of Gondor. Together they comprise and become the Fellowship of the Ring, hence the title, (laughs) The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. I hate the line, you shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. It seems a little on the nose. Never mind. Also, it takes me back to any... Did you ever see the Family Guy episode where he talks about, I love it, he loves it when... uh, movies say the title of the movie in the movie oh no i haven't seen that one (laughs) it's like oh there it is that's it uh i love that the fellowship is nine people and we know all their personalities enough to feel invested yep the council was awfully useful not just for exposition but also character development you get to know who boromir is you get to know who legolas is you get to know who aragorn is and this is something that when you have a smaller group it's easier to do 13 dwarves is much harder no, you're right. Yeah. You know, and I know I, sh- I know I shit on that in the first movie, but <laughs> there is a point to that. It's harder to do with more people. It is. No, it's definitely hard. Especially when they all pretty much look the same. Yeah. This one, it was like a game of Gauntlet. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Gauntlet <laughs> Legends? <laughs> one of Ooh, every avatar. Stop. Talk dirty to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Who was your favorite avatar playing that? I think I used the... Uh... I think I used, like, the Gimli-looking one. I was always a dwarf. Yeah. (laughs) Now, and I may have already said in the podcast, but my memory is losing itself. But, no, I agree. Like, Wes and I talked about it uh, yesterday. These are definitely better movies. These are great movies. Um, But But to keep the apology in there, he had more time. Yeah, yeah. He had more time to put this together. Right. Um, Uh, Okay, Bilbo meets up. Bilbo meets up with Frodo and hands him Sting, a sword that glows blue when orcs are near. He also gives him Mithril, the chain mail that Thorin gave Bilbo before the Battle of Five Armies. Bilbo sees the ring, lunges for it. Yeah! Creepy face. <laughs> Scared of his own behavior, he apologizes to Frodo for everything that has happened to him because of the ring. Whoa, Bilbo went demonic. <laughs> a little bit. CGI got a little weird there, too. <laughs> CGI does not work in a couple of these scenes. No, we'll get to a Legolas scene later on. <laughs> I was thinking uh, Galadriel. Uh, oh. Her scene looks bad. Yeah. It looks like they just took the negative of the photography. It does. You know who else she kind of looks like? Um, you remember when the bad guy from Snow White, the evil witch, goes up in that green flame? Yes, yes. That's what she looks like. Okay. Um, but as the Fellowship rests on a mountaintop, practicing swords play, eating delicious food, Legolas spots a cloud <laughs> of flying creatures headed their way. They quickly hide before being spotted by the spies of Mordor. Pause. Go back to the first mountaintop camping scene before the fellowship. Mary and Pippin again screw them <laughs> by cooking bacon on the mountain yep. while they're trying to hide, starting a fire at night. Sorry, I wanted to chalk it up for a goal. Three <laughs> Mary and Pippin screw jobs. Yep. Uh, I like how, from the camera's perspective, perspective, you can't see them, but the bats fly all around them, so they would have been sighted. Yeah. This is this is what I call movie sight, in that the movie expects you to see only what the movie shows you. And that nobody else really matters. <laughs> there are no other perspectives. This is a 2D film. <laughs> the Fellowship sets out and tries to pass over the Misty Mountains by the mountain pass of Caradhras. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the way up, Frodo takes a tumble and drops the ring. Boromir picks it up and is entranced. Aragorn, clearly worried, insists that Boromir gives the ring back to Frodo. Boromir shakes himself out of it and walks away. Be honest, the first few times I watched this as a kid, I thought that Boromir and Strider, same person. I love the fact that he's got his hand on a sword. Mm. He like Aragorn clearly knows this thing's dangerous and anybody's gonna go down if they screw around with this thing. Yeah, for sure. Um under Isengard, Saruman gets word from the, his bats of the Fellowship's location. As the Fellowship continues through a blizzard, they are stopped by Saruman's wizardry. At Gimli's insistence, they decide to seek safety and travel under the mountain through the mines of Moria. Frodo agrees. Uh, this is one of those things where you can see how when Tolkien did The Hobbit and then he did The Lord of the Rings, he adulted The Hobbit. Because this scene is the same scene, practically. He, adu- he adulted with- Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah. He, he took the hobby. He was like, I'm going to adult this. Now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because this scene is very similar to the one we see where they're on the mountainside mm. and the rock monsters are fighting. Yeah, bad scene. Uh, I put that this scene looks better than the rock monster scene in The Hobbit. A lot does. Snow and rock actually falls on our heroes here. Yay, <laughs> physics! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, it, it helps that they are in a legitimate environment when they're shooting this. Yes. It helps a lot. Mm-hmm. That is that is snow. So <laughs> you're not going to CGI that. No. The rocks, you have to kind of CGI that just for the sake of danger. Right. So in that way, yeah, I think if, going back to the time element with The Hobbit, this is something that in The Hobbit I don't think would have changed because you can't put your actors or stuntmen in that type of danger. No, you're right. So they would have to do it that way. Yeah. Uh, they travel to a rocky wall where under starlight and moonlight, a door appears. There's a riddle on the door. Speak, friend, and enter. Gandalf struggles to get the door open, through, though, since it's a head-scratcher. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pippin is tossing rocks in a nearby pool of water and awaken something. Make it four for Pip. Um, Frodo figures out that it is an elvish word for friend and opens the door again. Uh, Hobbit's good at riddles. Yes. Clearly they're well read. Clearly. But on their way in, they realize that it is littered with corpses. All of a sudden tentacles emerge from the water and attack the group. Escaping the beast, they turn back and head back into the mines. This is one of my favorite scenes to play in any video game. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings came out with a bunch of video games, and I'm pretty sure they were all one movie behind. Okay. Like, I had Lord of the Rings of Two Towers, mm-hmm. but this was in it. Okay. So I'm pretty sure Two Towers was Fellowship of the Ring. Gotcha. And then they came out with Return of the King, and it was The Two, two Towers. towers. <laughs> um, but no, that was the only game that I ever sat at school, and I was like, I want to go home and play video games. Yeah. That was, like, I think the only game I've ever had other than maybe NBA Street. <laughs> But I'll, that, I always remember this scene. Uh, I noticed that CGI works in dark areas because time was spent on this scene. This was done in 2001. This, the tentacles could have, could have looked very cartoony, but because it was edited so well, it looked real. Yeah. Time, huh? Yeah. Only reason for this scene, though, is to show that nothing is a safe space in this mine. Yeah. You can't go out. You can't go in. You're screwed either way. You're right. And so if there is a scene you could cut out... Of this film, it might be this one, but I think it has a point, which is nobody is going to get out of this thing properly. Right. Someone's going down in this cave. Yes. So. 
They rest and Frodo notices someone's been following them. Hmm. Gandalf claims it's Gollum. And he says that the reason Gollum is alive is because of Bilbo's pity that Frodo could learn something from it. Yes. And this is almost lifted straight from the book, but the quote is abbreviated in the movie. Uh, I can't recall what the second half of the quote is when he's talking about pity is what stayed Bilbo's hand. Uh, Personally, I look at this, and I don't like Gollum's animation here. No. We had such a good Gollum in that very first Hobbit movie. Yeah. And even in the next movie, I'm pretty sure. Two Towers is the first real introduction we see. Right. But Um, it might be because I know how good it is now, though. Like Back then, I can't remember how I felt about Gollum when I first saw it there, other than I can't wait to see what he looks like in person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gandalf says pity... It was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Mm-hmm. Many that live deserve death. Some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Don't be too eager to deal out to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise cannot see all ends. Yeah. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play yet, for good or ill before this is over. The pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of many. Yes. It's a good quote. It's a great... It's something that I almost want to throw in a classroom. Yeah. (laughs) But they won't get it. No, no, they won't. Is this Shakespeare? Stupid kids. Kids are so stupid they don't know anything. Um, Parents, get on the ball. (laughs) (laughs) While traveling through the mines, Gimli notices a tomb. Inside of the tomb is Balin, who we've met. Yes, and this means more now. It means more now. On the side of the tomb, Gandalf picks up a book that explains how all the dwarves have died in these mines. But who wrote the book? Pippin. (laughs) (laughs) Pippin, not knowing the surroundings, get ready to do number five. (laughs) Sends a chunk of armor down a well, which is so loud and comical. But I love his facial expression when it's going down. Oh, it's so loud that it stirs the goblins that are hiding there into a frenzied attack. Almost immediately, they are attacked by goblins and a cave troll. Trolls in the dungeon. And encounter a Balrog, an ancient demon of fire and shadow. At the bridge of the... Please tell me, Jack. doom Yep. Kazad-Doom. 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 Um, Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> uh, Gandalf faces the Balrog on the bridge and manages to send it plunging into the abyss below, but the monster drags him down with it. You shall not pass. Ar- arguably the most famous line from this movie. Yes. Uh, I love Pippin's facial expression when the armor's falling down. It is a great comedic beat in a time when you need one. You, you definitely need one. It's gotten pretty slow and pretty dark. Yeah. Uh, God bless practical effects for fights. Mm-hmm. The cave troll, however, (laughs) looks fake only when interacting with live characters. When it's standing alone, it looks pretty decent. And Legolas is a badass with a bow and arrow. Uh Uh, Until he jumps on the cave troll, and then it looks like bad CGI. (laughs) Uh, I hate Sam and his frying pan. Yeah? I hate it, because he didn't have one before. (laughs) That's fair. He had a sword before when he was circled up. Well, the... You know, they did love food down there. (laughs) He uses that for bacon, damn it. That's true. Uh, Frodo stabbed again. Dude is having a rough day. (laughs) Thought he was wearing mithril. Oh, good, he is. Smart move. Smart. Smart. Uh, Still, the way that the mithril looks, the chainmail, if you stab that, you're still going to break a rib. Yeah, you're still going to, like, push him backwards. Yeah. 
orcs and goblins climbing on the walls is freaking scary. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Stairs and an escape. I feel like the Hobbit tried this also. They tried. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody tosses a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the movie. <laughs> uh, that ball rug looks like a boss from a video game. I hope the group saved the game before they started the battle. Yeah, what was the... Uh, <laughs> it was pretty much. What was the video game called? Uh, Diablo? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's the cover of Diablo. Uh, again, the ball rug is right in front of them. Then the ball rug is 20 yards behind them. Jackson, stop it! <laughs> uh, ball rug has Wonder Woman's lasso. He does. Uh, Gandalf is dead. Boom! Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a movie with legitimate stakes. And now that you've seen the first three, The Hobbits, this means even more because you've known this guy for four movies now. Right. Uh, Frodo's no, Luke's no, or Vader's no. Who delivered the best no? Uh, who delivered the best who one? Who delivers the best no? Uh, which Vader no? No! Which movie was that in? Uh, that was Revenge of the no. Sith. No. Then there was Luke's. No! I'm going to go. F- oh! <laughs> Gosh, I was, they're all. I, I think it's safe to say I don't enjoy anyone that yells no in a movie. <laughs> you lose. No! <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to go with Frodo. I'm going to say Frodo. Frodo delivers the best no. Yeah, Frodo's got the best no. So, um, A group of escape. The gr- <laughs> <laughs> a group of escapees. A group of escapees. Leave Alcatraz. And they run off. The group escapes the underground realm and mourns the loss of Gandalf. I love this emotional beat. Mm. I feel the loss for the hobbits. The music is beautiful here, and it's slow-paced, and you have a moment to soak it in, the loss. You see it on the actors' faces, the loss of somebody close to them. Mm. And it is something that, again, time being a factor, I bet would have been in the Hobbit a few times. Yeah. Um, Eventually, they reach the wood elven realm of Lothalorien. Good job. Thank you. Where they are sheltered by its rulers, Galadriel and her husband, Celeborn. Gimli's great. Everything he says is both badass and humorous. Uh, Galadriel has a man. Didn't know. Apparently Gandalf. Sorry, buddy. Mm. Well, he's dead, so. Well, yeah, there's that. It's clear that he's not wearing the pants in the relationship, though. He has no lines in this film. (laughs) (laughs) But it's very subtle, right? It's not like she says... I'm Galadriel, and this is my husband, Dan. <laughs> like it's, it's just like he's there. This is Mike. Yeah. I mean, Mike, can you go do something? Yeah. Adults are talking, honey. Whoa, Galadriel is speaking to Frodo using telepathy. Mm. I thought it was an elf ring thing. Oh. Well, didn't she have an elf ring? She does, but Frodo doesn't. Oh, well, he's got the ring of power. Ah. So does whoever has the ring of power, can they hear all of the rings? I don't know, perhaps. Or does it just transcend the ability to, like, communicate? I don't know. He doesn't communicate back. So it may be just, like, she can tell... She can communicate to other people, but they can't return it. Okay. Uh, That, as far as, like, the mathematical, like, transitive property goes, (laughs) I think that's what makes sense. Well, go with that. Math always wins. Yeah. Boromir and Aragorn speak about returning home to Gondor together. Remember that. This is a nice moment between the two men. Uh, Which... I know. We'll get to the fact that this is overly manly. We will. It's okay. That night, Frodo meets Galadriel, who tells him that he is, that it is his destiny to handle the ring and ultimately destroy it. It is pretty cool how Galadriel's mirror knew exactly which shots to use from future movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's something that bothers me also in movies is that when they have like, oh, look at the security footage, and it's footage from the movie. 
<laughs> You're like, yeah. that wasn't where the camera was. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love her denial of the ring. It is frightening, but her reaction of satisfaction with being able to deny it shows just how powerful the ring is. Yeah. And the line, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. That one's in my classroom. If I was eight years old, that would have been my favorite quote. Instead, yeah. I was eight when I saw size matters not. Judge me by my size. This is a Yoda quote. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I also want to point out here that this scene now has me putting the Lord of the Rings something to watch first because when you meet Galadriel here, she's not the same Galadriel as we saw in The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. No, unless you watch this first, you really don't care about Galadriel. Yeah, so if you see this movie first, you you have that same moment of, okay, is she good? Is she bad? I don't know. Mm -hmm. If you watch The Hobbits first, you realize she's good. Why, why is she so sorry? What did Celeborn do earlier that pissed her off? Right. You know, so I like, I personally enjoy the fact that each theme of meeting somebody new has that ambiguity here. I just wish that she would have had that ambiguity throughout the Hobbit films now. Mm-hmm. Being that white I see here is so strong to Frodo. Yeah. So, um, so we head back to Isengard where Saruman is talking to his Urukai commander. He sends him on the quest wearing the white handprints to signify the white hand of Saruman. <laughs> they are to hunt down the Fellowship and destroy them, but sparing the hobbits for what they carry. So orcs were once elves. Orcs were once elves. Cool. Which is, I always forget that. Yeah. I, I, People I, forget. I needed a reminder myself. <laughs> <laughs> Before they leave, Galadriel gives Frodo the light of Elendale, and the other members also receive gifts from them. Taking the straight path to Mordor, they travel on the river Anudin, Anduin, 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 towards Parthgallon. Man, Tolkien created a lot of his own words. Yeah, uh, this looks like a nice, peaceful kayaking run. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and this is where you start to realizing that every establishing shot is a work of art. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, who? Whoever the cinematographer was for this, I, I think JC mentioned his name because he just passed away, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did, did He made these films. Without the oh. shots, this fil- these films are not what they are. Absolutely not. Um, so, I mean, it's just like in Flight of the Concords, in their <laughs> office where it says, New Zealand, just like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> it may... I wonder what a tourist, what the tourist stock did in New Zealand after these movies came out. Well, I'm sure it's shot through the roof. I know that Hawaii went up when Lost finished. Oh, really? Because they still have all the Lost studio stuff all over that island. New Mexico's probably tripled because of uh, Breaking Bad. Yes. Because you... they uh, And Thor. And Thor. <laughs> forgot about Thor. More Breaking Bad. More Breaking Bad. <laughs> well, think about Breaking Bad and um, some people from Nashville actually just went to uh, New Mexico. They have the house, the Walter White house, oh, really? which is like an elderly couple that sit outside of their house because they're like, please don't take pictures in our yard. <laughs> um, but they've got the car wash, everything, like everything just in that tiny little town is there. That is so cool. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> Bucket list. Movie places I want to see. TV yeah. places I want to see. Mine is uh, Boston from the town. I just want to go to a Red Sox game. Oh, okay. Without the shooting. Yeah, um, there's that. After landing at Parth Gallon. Sure. Did I get that right? <laughs> I was going to say Parth Galen, but you could be right. I don't know. I see Galen. I think of Galen Urso from Rogue One. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Bormir tries to take the ring from Frodo, believing that it is the only way to save his realm, but Frodo escapes him. Now Frodo shows enough strength to get away from somebody. Uh, Legolas is great to have around. He's got Orkdar. Oh, Orc he radar. 
<laughs> like his his main purpose in this is just to see shit following them. Maybe it's an elf thing. Could be an elf thing. They can see for miles. Oh. And uh, as for Frodo standing up, he is the one at the fellowship who says, I'll take it myself. Yes. So he does have that gumption in him. Mm. Uh, seriously, nobody's paying attention to the ring bearer? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, the one guy you got to pay attention to, you don't pay attention. This reminds me of when they kept losing their horses in The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> Only the horses weren't carrying, like, the only purpose to the movie. <laughs> Which, Bill the Pony? Remember Bill the Pony? No. He's in the next two movies. Frodo rides Bill the Pony. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was apparently two guys in a horse suit. <laughs> I did have to pay so attention to that. When it shows up, just take a look at that. Oh. Uh, Boromir plays best intentions so well with Dark Streak. Mm. Uh, and Frodo sees the IFSR on again. Okay, there we get it. Aragorn encounters Frodo, but unlike Boromir, Aragorn manages to resist the ring's temptation and chooses not to take it. The third time it's been offered to somebody else. He's around. He's surrounded by three very strong people. Mm-hmm. And Sam, who Sam constantly has his hands on this damn thing. He puts it on. He's like, hold on to it. Don't do it. Yeah. In fact, does Sam ever take the ring? I don't think so. He never takes He. I, oh, it's in Return of the King where he says, just give it to me and I'll take the burden off of you. Yeah. Because he could just see how low Frodo was. But we're not there yet. Um, some men are corruptible. And in this case, it shows you that some are not. So it's not all men. And I know that we're to believe that Aragorn is from the north and he can live for a long time but if you don't watch the extended versions you don't know that and that's why I think sometimes it's better to not to know too much because mm-hmm. this gives you faith that there's yeah. hope all men can be corrupted but not all will be right yeah um Knowing that the ring's temptation will be too strong for him or anyone else that is in the fellowship, Frodo decides to leave them and go to Mordor alone. Frodo's got some balls to think he can do this on his own. I like yeah, that. <laughs> I do like that. And meanwhile, the rest of the fellowship are attacked by the Urukai, who Saruman had ordered to hunt down the fellowship and take back the ring. Aragorn and the Fellowship distract the Urukai so that Frodo can escape. Merry and Pippin also realizing that Frodo is leaving distract the orcs, allowing Frodo to escape. Okay, great use of these characters. Sacrificing for the cause, not just comic relief. Right. And now, here's the thing. Before, we were, we, we've been sitting there mocking the fact that they have been the reason for many of these screw-ups along the way. But here is a redemption point for them. They realize how serious this is right now. They've realized it before. It's not that they did and they were like laughing about it. They knew they were screwing up. But here gives them a point. Listen, we can't fight. We can't do anything. But we can create a distraction. It also does a good job of splitting up the fellowship now at the end of this film. Yeah. What was once banded in just the first film is already disbanded. Where do you go now? Right, because we already know there are going to be two more movies. Yep. Um, As Boromir rushes to the aid of the two hobbits, he is mortally wounded by the Ur-Kai commander Lertz. Lertz? (laughs) Lertz. That's his name in the movie. (laughs) By the commander Donald. (laughs) Lertz. What about you, Lurch? (laughs) I'm great, Azog. (laughs) Before Lurch can finish off Boromir, Aragorn arrives and attacks Lurch, decapitating him after a short but brutal fight. (laughs) The sharpness of that sword. God. Whoa. Also, I said to Al, I said, hey, you know, as much sword play as these guys do and as well as they use them, you'd think their forearms or their upper body would be a little bit bigger. They look like Popeye. (laughs) <laughs> you would think because have you ever picked up one of those swords and just tried to swing one it's heavy especially the broad swords yeah it'd be i mean i'm sure they are sharp yeah but those things are big yeah um but before 
you know, we said before Alerts can finish off Boromir, Aragorn arrives and attacks him, decapitating him after a short but brutal fight. As he lies dying, Boromir regrets having attempted to steal the ring and is forgiven by Aragorn. And Sean Bean continues his ability to know how to sell a death. Spoilers. <laughs> Sean Bean dies again. And I think there was a string of movies like four in a row where he just kept dying. Really? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm sure he dies. In, I haven't. He gotten... dies in Goldeneye. Oh, he's in Goldeneye. Yeah, he's like 006 or something. <laughs> he's uh, the bad guy in Goldeneye. Oh, I was thinking he's one of the millions that died in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Did he die in Game he of was, Thrones? He was one of the first deaths. That's what I thought. I still yeah. haven't. I'm only on like episode three. Ned so, Stark. You know, uh, I'm pretty up there. Strider wins Decapitation of the Year Award. Golly. I think popped off like a flower, like <sighs> a dandelion pop. Yeah, like when you kick a dandelion. <laughs> I love Boromir's confession here. And this is, this is what happens when you have a great actor in a role where he has to sell it. And he nails this. And he won a lot of different uh, roles because of this to die later on. We need a death. Bring Sean Bean and he'll sell it. Yeah. Uh, Aragorn promises to return to Gondor for Boromir. I like that. So Aragorn is now, after he's been sitting there going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. He now is vocalizing the fact that I am going to do this now for you. It's an honor thing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, head count. Gandalf, dead. dead. Boromir, dead. The Fellowship of Nine is now a Fellowship of Seven. And it's not even a Fellowship anymore. We got three in one direction, two in another, and Samwise and Frodo are going to meet up later. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mary and Pippin are captured, prompting Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas to begin their pursuit of the orcs with the intent of rescuing the hobbits and leaving Frodo to his quest. Yes. Frodo returns to the banks of the river and begins rowing across when Sam appears and swims out to Frodo, insisting he has promised Gandalf he will look after Frodo. I love Sam. <laughs> Frodo accepts Sam's presence, and together they continue their journey through the hills of... Joe, say it for me. Emin Mule. Yep. Uh, this scene, Boromir's death, actually isn't in the Fellowship of the Ring. Really? It's the beginning of the Two Towers. Oh, spoilers. For those of you who are 70, 80 years behind on the book. But it should also be clear that when he wrote The Lord of the Rings, when Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings, it was not three separate books. It was one gigantic book. Mm. And the publishers were the ones that said, no, 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 you got to break this up. And so he's like, oh, great. Okay. There you go. Three books. So I think Jackson was smart to put the Boromir ending in this. Yeah, To break them up beforehand. Because if you start Two Towers with this, that's dour. Yeah. Like, you don't get much sadder than that at this point. I love the ending of this film. When all is dire, you still have your friends to lean on. Mm-hmm. The emotions are earned in this film. I can see why it was nominated for Best Picture. And Sam's loyalty is something we look for in all of our friends. And it is believable. It is. So, Joe, what did you think after watching the film? That was, now it's over. That was awesome. Even better than after watching The Hobbit. And I say that not because, not, not because of you heard me shit on The Hobbit, because some things in The Hobbit did enhance this movie. Mm-hmm. You see different things now. You, you understand Bilbo telling the story at the beginning to the kids yeah. that that story is a part of The Hobbit. If you hadn't read it beforehand, you might be a little more confused. Right. Uh, so those little things along the way are great to have in there. There was a lot of foreshadowing in The Hobbit that you probably didn't need because this is well explained. It's explained so well you didn't need it the first time. But it's an awesome watch. It did fill in some holes that you may have needed. So I was happy with it. So after watching this, you know... These movies, honestly, I don't think they're ones that I watched one, and then I watched two, and then I watched three. Mm-hmm. This was a franchise I'm pretty sure that I just saw sporadically over time. No I, kidding, I, really? owned, I owned this one, but this is the only one that I owned up until college. Okay. So I'd watched this one a few times, 
but now they all just run together to me. So like <laughs> in my mind, I just assume that it is what it was intended to be the longest movie in the world yeah, or the longest book in the world because all of the movies run together. So when I watch them, I'm like, I can't remember if this is the one with Treebeard. I can't remember <laughs> if this is this one. I can't remember if this is this. So when watching this film, I just, I was like, gosh, I just want to watch two towers. Mm -hmm. I just, that's all I wanted to do. I just want to watch two towers. It makes you want to jump into the next one. Yeah. This is a great movie. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that now we're watching through these. So now I can like, remember which one is which this is this this is this this yeah is this. but until then like two towers and return of the king were just tv movies for me they i would watch them when they were on and honestly didn't pay attention to which one i was watching sometimes yeah i got into the characters of lord of the rings i love playing the video games <laughs> but i did not watch these religiously okay i think i watched I, I watched the hell out of these on vhs and then when i got the dvds i watched the hell out of them and i watched the these these are to me what the hobbit is to jc yeah yeah all right, let's play a game of Did the Awards Get It Right? Games. Uh, Academy Awards. There were 13 nominations at the Academy Awards. It won four. Best Fight. <laughs> Best Fight was not a category at the Academy. Uh, it was at the Movie Awards, as we said. <laughs> the MTV Movie Awards. Back when they were uh, until, they became, until it became the MTV Twilight Awards. Best Kiss Awards. It's just true. <laughs> uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, Rachel McAdams. Hello. Notebook. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was nominated for Best Picture. It lost to A Beautiful Mind. Do you think it should have won or not? Um, I'm going to say no. I don't think it should have won. I'm going to say no also. I think that A Beautiful Mind is a better complete movie than this is. Yeah. As far as you finish A Beautiful Mind, you're like, holy cow, that was just a really good movie. <laughs> um, Lord of the Rings, you watch it and you're like, Man, now I need to watch Two Towers and then I need to watch Return of the King. As a standalone, A Beautiful Mind is just a better all-encompassing movie because Lord of the Rings leaves loose ends. You don't know what's about to happen. It does a really good job of wrapping it up and about as good as one, about as good of a job you can do for mm -hmm. the circumstances they're in. But no, I do think the Best Picture Award should have gone to Beautiful Mind. You know, it almost ends on an Empire Strikes Back note yeah. where they have to go rescue Han from Jabba. Mm -hmm. You know, it ends on that kind of note. Uh, it, let's see. We also had Best Director. Peter Jackson was up for that and he lost to Ron Howard for A Beautiful Mind. I think, again, well, we can say it's, it, he, he, A Beautiful Mind was great. Yeah. You know, and but, it was a single movie. But I don't... I remember really liking it, but it was one that I watched in school, so I can't really remember everything that happens. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This one could have been a toss-up, because Peter Jackson did a great job directing a ton of people. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Jim Broadbent won for Iris, but somebody else got nominated here, and it was Ethan Hawke for Training Day. And huh. I loved Ethan Hawke in Training Day. I still haven't seen him. But Ian McKellen was up for this as Gandalf. And Maybe had he made the whole movie. <laughs> I think Ian McKellen would, would, should have been at least second place in this. Yeah. If, there were, if it was places, then he should be second. I think now, Ethan Hawke is first. Now, are these awards in the order of who got the most votes? No, no, no. These are just the, the, whoever was nominated and then uh, who, who won. Yeah. I guess if that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, yep. is, well, yeah look sure at that. Yeah, what do you know? How about uh, Best adapted screenplay. A Beautiful Mind won. Well, apparently A Beautiful Mind was good. Um, Lord of the Rings was up. I think what happened here was the critics heard that the Lord of the Rings left a lot out. Uh, maybe. Because it is a dense piece of literature. And had the quote-unquote extended versions been in the theaters, maybe it would have won. Yeah. Adapted screenplay. Um, 
They're Shrek. Yeah, I know. Shrek is it. <laughs> Shrek was a, up for adapted screenplay. I love Shrek. Um, best original score. The Lord of the Rings wins. I have to agree with this, but it won over Harry Potter. John Williams' Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And that's uh, a t- that is a tough win, but at the same time... really good soundtrack. It, I, I think if you were to put these as 1A and 1B, it'd be fair. I love that Monsters, Inc. made the list. Yeah, though I can't remember the soundtrack. Off the top of my head, I can't, which is why I didn't win. Yeah, A Bit uh, of a Mind has a nice soundtrack also, but when you hear... Dun, 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 dun. You just get pumped up, you know. And it's like when you hear the magical tunes of John Williams and Harry Potter. That, yeah. Just that bell, that ding, 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 ding. It sends you to a place immediately. Gosh, I don't know, man. Harry Potter was good. <laughs> um, but you know what? I honestly, I probably say that only because I can play Harry Potter soundtrack in my classroom. I can't play uh, Lord of the Rings in my class. You can't. It's too dark. Really? It distracts the, uh-huh. It distracts the kids. Because okay. they were like, why does this music sound so scary? Because I used to play it in the classroom when I was at your school. Lord of the Rings? Yeah. I used to play Lord of the Rings Hobbit, and every time something dark came on, they, it, it was the worst distraction in the world. Oh, because they, they knew what it was, or because they were just like, couldn't handle it? Uh, they were, it was just like, what is this? What is this? What mm-hmm. is this? But I also think the attention issues were much different. Yeah. The year that you weren't there. Uh, best original song, uh, May It Be from Enya was nominated but uh, if I didn't have you for Monsters Inc. won so Disney's always going to win the best original song yeah and uh, I will say this I know I've crapped on pop music being at the end of these films this kind of fits Enya has this earthy tone to it is that her? that is her Um, that's good Let's see. Best sound, Black Hawk Down one. Anytime a military movie's up, it always seems to win for best sound. Yeah. It's because these snowflake people don't know what a real gun sounds like. <laughs> like but look that at, sounds dangerous. But look at the five movies that are nominated here. Three of them are military movies for the most part. Black Hawk Down, Lord of the Rings, which is, you know, it's a war movie. army-ish, and Pearl Harbor. Um, and no one's going to remember that Pearl Harbor was Josh nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Uh, best art direction was up for that. It lost to Moulin Rouge, and Moulin Rouge just looked fantastic. Also. Yeah, it was an art team. When you look at the no- the nominees there, Moulin Rouge, Dance. Harry Potter, and the Lord of the Rings, I think the Lord of the Rings has translated the best throughout the years. At the time, Moulin Rouge was something we'd never seen before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, best cinematography, hands down, Lord of the Rings wins. Yeah. You're not going to beat that. You could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, best makeup, Lord of the Rings wins. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, best costume design. It's nominated, but Moulin Rouge wins. I say no. Moulin Rouge was nothing but costumes. Yeah, but so was Lord of the Rings. Well, I know, but like, (laughs) Moulin Rouge was costumes. (laughs) Like, hello! Costumes (laughs) and outfits. Let's get Bohemian. Uh, Best film editing. I agree. Black Hawk Down. I can't give Jackson a film editing thing here. I'm trying to remember Black Hawk Down. Uh... Black Hawk Down. Is that the one JC saw on his first date? No, that was behind that enemy lines. That was behind lines. enemy lines. <laughs> I don't know if I ever saw Black Hawk Down. Uh, Memento is really good. That was nominated. Uh, in fact, gosh, maybe Memento should have won. Because that was a movie that we had never seen edited that way either. Where it was telling the story backwards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, best visual effects, Lord of the Rings wins. It yeah. beats artificial intelligence, AI, and Pearl Harbor. Now, Pearl Harbor, I agree. AI, the visual effects in that still look pretty good, but Fellowship still looks good today. Yeah. 
Like, it, you could say, if you had told me that The Lord of the Rings was made after The Hobbit movies, I would say, I believe you. It looks crisper. It looks it looks like they got it together. It looks real. It looks real. The fact that it was made beforehand has this feeling of original trilogy Star Wars and prequel trilogy Star Wars, where they could do all the stuff now and they overdid it. Yeah. But over here, what if they had had some of that technology? What could they have done in the 2001 Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring? So I think there's a happy medium in between there somewhere. Yeah. Now, the Golden Globes, it was not as successful. Four nominations, zero wins. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for both Best Motion Picture again. Beautiful mind. Yep. It was nominated for Best Director again. Something called Gonsford Park. It was uh, nominated for Best Original Score in Moulin Rouge one. And that's not an original score. It was taking... Properties. Yeah, it was Elton John's songs redone. And uh, <laughs> Christina Aguilera. Yes. Singing, remaking what song was it? Lady. Lady Marmalade. Yeah. Yeah, this was not an original score. Oh. Uh, and best original song uh, until with Kate and Leopold. May it be didn't win. Uh, okay. Whatever. But all right. On to our next segment titled Top 3 and Bottom 3. This is where we pick our top three things we love or scenes we like in this movie, and then we choose three things we dislike about the film and or that we find the weakest. Let's start with the top three. Joel, what are your top three things you want to highlight in this movie? I'll say my number three is Aragorn. Well, I'll, hmm, I'm going to say all characters. Okay. Just like all characters in the film, I think that it did a really good job at casting one, which we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. and bringing everyone together and their interactions together. But Aragorn... I just love his character and how he's kind of like the dad of the group. But at the same time, he has his own storyline other than just look out for everybody. Yeah. He could easily, especially in like a world of selfishness, he could easily like be on his own path, but he's looking out for everybody else. And I think he does the character of Aragorn Strider, whatever you want to call him at this point has a good balance of that. And finding that character, I think is great. Uh, my number two is the display of power that the One Ring has over everybody. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think the movie does an amazing job at showing how dense the power is and how it can really overtake people. Um, number one, I'm going to go a little spoil—not uh, spoiler, a little uh, <laughs> <laughs> sleeper. Saruman. Yeah, I think Saruman is fantastic in this movie, and honestly, I didn't think he was. As great as he was until I really started paying attention, watched The Hobbits, paid attention to his interactions in those movies, Saruman's a bad boy. Yeah. And he is, oh, bad with two Ds. <laughs> um, capital B, capital A, capital D. Yes. Michael Jackson bad. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I want to say like Saruman might be, I think, the thing that this movie did super, super well. There are a ton of things, but Saruman got me really good this time through. Yeah. Uh, for me, my number three is the prologue. It matches the tone of the books. It's more adult, and the tone is consistent throughout this whole film. My number two, every scene is relevant to the story being told. No fat to cut away. No, you're right. And number one, practical effects instead of an over-reliance on CGI. Mm -hmm. More time, though, to make the practical effects. Right, but just in general. In general. When they do a close-up face of an orc, you don't say they're going, that looks fake. It looks real. You can tell there's an actor underneath there. All right, let's move on to the bottom three. Time to vent, Joel. What's your number three? All right, my number three is uh, <laughs> Frodo. I don't know. I don't like Frodo. The hero of the story. I don't like Frodo's dumb face, I guess. <laughs> he's Jamie Foxx face? He's Jamie Foxx dumb, dumb old <laughs> Frodo face. But, um, he, but he's a Green Street hooligan. Yeah, that's a garbage. <laughs> that is a garbage pail of a movie. <laughs> 
But it's intense. <laughs> just fighting. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. Go watch Fox Sports 2 or whatever it is. Go watch the MMA. <laughs> the Ocho. Yeah. Um, out loud watching this with one of my roommates, I kept yelling, Stop. you're so weak. You are so weak, Frodo. Help. Help a little. Um, the purpose is the character plays. is in the writing. He can't help that. I get it. <laughs> Elijah Wood is great at this character. <laughs> I'm not saying that the, like it's wrong, but naturally, like I, you know, I just found him whiny, yes. and I just didn't like him in this film. But he plays a great character. I can't see anyone else as Frodo, but <laughs> just like the the fan of me is like, I don't whining. Quit, yeah. quit being so stupid. <laughs> um, number two, it just drags sometimes, and. Again, you make a great point. Every scene is relevant. And so there's nothing that I would take away. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's no bathroom breaks in this movie. Exactly. For the average fan, especially the fan that might zone out every now and then. Oh, it's because I don't know names. This (laughs) this movie's so hard for me because I don't don't pay attention to names. I don't know if it'd be name deaf or name blind. But the the made-up language and the character names... I don't know who they're talking about half the time. It doesn't and, help also that Gandalf and Saruman talk in do- low tones. Right. And then there's Sauron and Saruman. Yeah. And again, it has nothing to do with the book, the movie. I think it is perfect as it is. I'm saying what well, didn't work for me. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, like There's right. so many names. It is your perspective. Here, and so. I can't keep up. I can't keep up. I still can't. <laughs> I'm much. reading. It's too much. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Number one, it goes back to my number two, goes into my number one. I just can't take it all in at once. I cannot watch this movie once and say, I did it. Yeah. Um, with Whiplash, I, I always go to Whiplash for like my A movie. Like, or my, my buy it A movie. I can't find anything wrong with it. It was um, a much smaller story, though. Right. No, no, that's the thing. Yeah. And again, not saying anything, in my opinion, I... Even, I'm not saying anything the movie did wrong. I'm saying what didn't work for me. Right, but even the Harry Potter movies are pretty yeah. easy to follow. They're e- they're so much easier to but follow. But they're also for children. Right, they're for children. When you I'm were a child. a child, you were a child when you first saw it. And I still might be a child. You're not um, a child. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the only thing, like my number one thing with this movie is like I can't take it all in at once. So I know when I watch it, I have to really pay attention and it makes me feel dumb because even when I really pay attention, I can't get it all. Yeah. I miss things. That's great storytelling. That's creating a vast world much larger than vampires and zombies than what we see today. That That's much more of a credit to Tolkien and who he is and what he was able to create. But for me, it was it's so hard for me to just sit this movie Sit through, watch this movie, stand up, like dust my hands off, and be like, "That was a great experience." I just sit there, and be like, "Dang it, I feel like I missed something." <laughs> why is everyone smarter than me? <laughs> I and I think part of the reason why you get that feeling that I missed something is because you just watched three movies where you had to pay attention to everything, but they had a lot of things in there that you could have bathroom break done. Right, but like, and, even, but even before those came out, yeah, even before those came out, when I saw this one, it was just like, wait, so. So Strider's also Aragorn, and he's a king. So he's on a quest, but but we're trying to we're trying to destroy the ring. Who is that? Mm-hmm. Okay, he's also a man. He's a, but he's a bad man. But he's on the good guy's side. Yeah. But we've got an elf. We've got a dwarf, and we, we've got the <laughs> elf too. And there's a we got, got gauntlet. <laughs> we've got two elf villages, and 
the, for the first time, it's just a lot to take in. Yeah. But yeah, that's also what I love about Tolkien. Mm-hmm. I I've got more books on my shelf on just his creation of this world that I haven't gotten to because I love what he's done. I love that I can't get it all. I love that I don't understand it all at once. Yeah, and that's why I think makes it a great movie. The bottom three for me are what makes it good. Well, the bottom two for me. Or what it make what makes it a great movie. Yeah. But they are things that bother you. They are things that don't work for me. Yeah. And that's great. Uh, my number three is Legolas a superhuman. I, it nothing hurts this guy at all, and he seems to be the I used Deus ex Gandalf before. He saves everybody's every single time in this film. It's almost like you could just get a wall of elves to walk them to the <laughs> just, to the volcano. They exactly. just the movie could have been done by now. It, it's one movie then. Yeah. That, that was Weinstein's idea. The Trojan horse, but <laughs> with elves. Kill a hobbit, make, let the elves take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Piggyback right on the elf. Uh, my number two is Peter Jackson's inability to edit a chase scene. If you can't do this right, get a second director to do it. Get the second unit director to get this done. He has not once in these four films done a chase scene properly. He, it's, it's maddening at this point. I have a feeling this is not the last time I'm going to say it either. But, and finally, this was made in 2001. This is my number one. This was made in 2001. Unfortunately, not all of the CGI still looks good. Legolas yeah. on a cave troll looks friggin' silly. Gollum didn't look great. Mm-mm. There's a lot that they could have improved. Yes. But I still have, like, the 2001 copy. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'm also thankful that Jackson is not going to make a special edition of this like George Lucas did. Though I would buy, like, a giant tin case of all of these movies with mm-hmm. everything inside of them. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, who's the audience for this movie, Joel? Um, I think it is suited for adults. There's, a, again, a lot of information. There's some violent aspects of it, so I think that it's you need to be an older child or a child that's willing to you know, say, hey, this is a fantasy movie, it's okay. But the audience is, you know, Tolkien fans or really anybody that wants to see something that was very epic for a culture. Yeah. And for pop culture in general, this movie was big. And it came out at the perfect time, too. Yeah. A lot of really good movies came out around this time. And this was even, I think, like we said, right after Mm -hmm. X-Men. But it was right before Spider-Man. We said Spider-Man's kind of the one that just started the fire for the supernatural movies and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. This was this was a big part of what started that fire. When you think in the same year, you have the beginning of Middle Earth and the beginning of the Harry Potter saga. Saga, it slapped audiences in the face with epic fantasy, and you couldn't run away. No, I mean, even but even like Shrek, Shrek was huge. Mm-hmm. It was a that was fantasy for cartoons. Yes, the other things came out this year, like Ocean's Eleven. We are Planet of the Apes. The first Planet of the Apes came out. The Tim Burton one. Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. Yeah. With Mark Wahlberg in it. Yes. <laughs> um, I think. Yes. Mo- again, Moulin Rouge. Jurassic Park 3 came out. Yeah. Loved that. Hannibal came out. Rat Race. Oh, I loved Rat Race. What Hot American Summer? Rush Hour 2! <laughs> <laughs> Joe Dirt. Now we're getting into my movies. 2001, great year. <laughs> Jane Silent Pop Strike Back. <laughs> Okay. Those movies. We're just gonna do a 2001 podcast, guys. I've got all of those movies at my house <laughs> right now. Zoolander, Tomb Raider. I don't have that. But like again, big move, big year for fantasy. Yeah, and for something even like the Hannibal. Hannibal is like, oh, we're going back into like old horror kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, any 
it, really anybody that's a film fan that wants to see what kind of transcended a generation, mm-hmm. but the audience is Tolkien fans. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's adults who read the books mm. and those who are new to epic fantasy movies. Okay. If you want to introduce a, your child who's 13 or older to an epic fantasy, you say, okay, start with The Fellowship of the Ring. This is the bar. Everything has to be higher than this or the same as. If yeah. it's lower, we'll get to it later. Yeah. Okay, movie report card. In the epic fantasy film genre, Joel, what are you giving this? To save myself repeating things, I'm, I don't think this movie does anything wrong. Again, there are parts of it that, you know, I make me feel a little slower than most, but this is an A movie. Everything in it's necessary, and it does a great job at portraying something that is very big and very fantasy. Fantastic, I guess. Very fantastic. But yeah, I'm giving it an A. Okay. Uh, for me, you know, everyone remembers how the Lord of the Rings Return of the King killed every category of the Academy Awards, and many suspected it was because it was a way to honor what Peter Jackson had done. However, people seem to have forgotten that Fellowship was nominated for so many awards, including Best Picture, something none of the Hobbit movies can claim. As a story being told on screen, it starts with an eloquent prologue, which in my opinion is where Peter Jackson shines. Jackson knows how to give background information before a film to bring you into the world you're going to be a part of for three movies. Once again, the cast of this film is flawless, and each character that you meet in this film has backstory that gives you reason to care about them. Where Fellowship shines through is in the storytelling itself. Every scene connects to the next and doesn't veer off into mythology. The biggest complaint about this series of movies is that they didn't include enough details from the books. For that reason, I wholeheartedly condone the expanded editions, although they aren't necessary to follow the story. The theatrical cuts can tell enough of an introductory story to keep you invested in Frodo's journey and the theme of fellowship and friendship. The loss of Gandalf and Boromir splits the group in a way that informs the audience that nobody is safe. And the time Jackson gives the characters to mourn the losses is felt by the viewer more effectively. Technically speaking, this was a revelation in 2001. Keep in mind, the special effects of this movie were pretty impressive considering the company of movies it was about. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Pearl Harbor, The Mummy Returns, and Jurassic Park 3 all came out the same year. In my opinion, Fellowship remains the one that still looks good by today's standards. Rush Hour 2. <laughs> not really high on special effects that's fair <laughs> the cinematography of this film stands out as a hallmark of this film as it introduced a common theme in the middle earth movies the sweeping establishing shot of a real environment thanks new zealand that jackson effectively uses in the next five middle earth movies finally howard shore's musical score is one of the most recognizable in cinema so much so that it's on par with anything that john williams has done better i can't make that claim but a good score is one that is so recognizable that you can actually picture the scene in question. And anyone who's heard the theme of the ring has pictured that golden band as clear as day in their head. This movie is a perfect starting point in the series. And when I show my future children these films, it will start with this film. However, since we're grading this as the fourth film in the series, I should preface this by saying that there are very few movie franchises that get better after a critically panned first three films like the Hobbit films. That being said, the only comparison that comes close to this is the Star Wars films. The original trilogy was done first. The prequel trilogy came second when better technology was afforded them. In my opinion, the prequel trilogy is better than the Hobbit trilogy, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy is better than the Star Wars original trilogy in the way it tells a story. 
fellowship is greater than a new hope in its connectedness to the overall saga, the three films before, the two films after. And it's the bar by which all future trilogies should measure themselves when it comes to an introductory film. The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, is a clear A and pantheon worthy, in my opinion. Uh, if this movie was released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? Honestly, like I said bend it. <laughs> because I did bend it. I bought it for like eight, eleven dollars at Mr. K's. It was in Johnson City. Oh, okay. Not it's Mickey's. Similar. No. <laughs> Mr. K's. I don't I wonder if there's a correlation. Huh. Um, it's really old. Um but if it was released on Blu-ray, I mean, it has been released on Blu-ray. Yeah. I still haven't bought it yet. I mean, I would buy it if it was in a trilogy. Mm-hmm. The way I feel about it, I bin it because I don't watch it all the time. Yeah. This isn't a movie that I had to have. I had to buy it to complete everything else. I'm glad that I own it. Mm-hmm. I did buy it, but I bought it out of the bin. Okay. I, I, I put buy it. Uh, I tend to buy movies that I want to introduce my future children to. So if you look at my wall over there, there's not a whole lot of garbage. It's usually stuff that I think is landmark for the time. And so this is a movie where I can sit there and go, you know what? And I only bought the theatrical versions. Okay. Because I want them to have the same experience I have had watching it the first time. Makes sense. And if they want more, pick up a book. Don't look at the extended version. Pick up a book. And now I got you reading. Hey. Uh, So, yeah. we've got time for today movie planeteers next time we get together we'll be going over the lord of the rings the two towers for induction into the epic fantasy film pantheon you can email the movie planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com if you enjoyed the show subscribe on itunes google play stitcher overcast podbean or spotify and give us a four or five star review like us on facebook and twitter and instagram the opinions expressed on the movie planet podcast are those of the individual hosts the movie planet podcast is not affiliated with prepared for approved or licensed by any entity that created any films is discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening and happy movie watching.